Saturday edition of the show here. The welcome. The what? I said welcome. Welcome, yes. So the W, you pronounce it as a V. You know, right. like in some foreign languages. Yes, comrade. Uh, welcome to the program here. The phones are open. If you want to join us on this live Saturday show, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Ooh, let me try that again, Peakless. The censored Peakless Mountaineer. Now we have you. The also censored Captain Kickass <laughs> is here. I uh, only say that because the FCC censors it. That is true. That's true. That is true. Until... 10.30 tonight, uh, right. Eastern Time, when FCC, yeah. Beard Talk Live will be no longer under control. Never has been under the control of the FCC. <laughs> we we um, have instituted thankfully. now uh, something called... So we use we have this thing on Beard Talk Live called the Amble. Oh, is this the uh, George the, Carlin the thing? The seven words, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we, we devised something now that we do before that. A preamble. Called the preamble. A yeah. preamble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we amble, we must preamble. Okay. I can't I've heard tell the you, amble. I don't know what the preamble is. I can't tell you what it is here on oh, the air. Uh, is it new? Yeah, it's as of it's new. It's last brand week new as something. of last week. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. why I haven't heard it. So then. we just added it last week. So okay, yeah, cool. we're, we're excited about the preamble. All right, and so we'd you, tell you all about it, but we'd go but, to jail. But we can't. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not going to go to jail, but, <laughs> no, but like uh, our, get kicked off the radio yeah, station. Our affiliates wouldn't appreciate it. So That's tonight at 1030 Eastern. It'll only be on our video streaming platforms, one of which is Odyssey. Uh, and you can uh, view us there over at watch.freetalklive.com, which takes us into our first topic here tonight. Uh, it was, I think, Thursday night that I briefly was able to address what had happened with the library case with the SEC uh, <clears throat> Securities and Exchange Commission going after library. What is a security? What is an exchange? Don't what ask is a me. Token? What is it? Yeah. Apparently, according to We've them, made it very clear. Everything is a security. As long as they want it to be. That seems to be what it is. Um, It's so dumb. Although there was a kind of a split ruling in the Ripple case. We want to get into that coming up here in a moment. But there's two big SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, cases that have been kind of on the end stages. So the Ripple ruling just came out. Uh, That's not over yet because they have to go through the... Uh, the final judgment right. phase, which is what just happened to library. So library had their ruling, I think it was at the end of last year, and now here we are, you know, seven months later, eight months later, and they finally have the final judgment. So, I mean, these the gears of the so-called justice system turn very, very slowly. They turn very, very brutally. Library is a company that created amazing software that we've used here on Free Talk Live for years, mm-hmm. uh, that allows anybody to uh, essentially upload whatever media that you want. Could be video, could be audio, could be PDF files, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, you li- put- library is still my primary source of video media. Right, and and hopefully it will continue to be, even though the library corporation is going to be destroyed. Please become a DAO. Uh, Please become a DAO. Please that is a, a decentralized, a autonomous organization. I hope that happens as well. I don't know, you know, when we're going to hear an announcement about that. I have reached out to Jeremy Kaufman, the CEO yeah. of Library, and he's willing to come talk. He, he's talked with us before about the case, and he's he needs a week though. I so. mentioned something on a, a Twitter post that Library made, and I said, "Have y'all thought about becoming a DAO? There's probably mm-hmm. precedent. There's probably mentorship that you could find. There's other a lot of software." Now. Other organizations yeah. have become DAOs, so like it's not like you'd be blazing the trail. Right? Yeah, it worked for Shapeshift. Yeah, which so, was a, which was a centralized corporation. I would, that, 
I would think that somebody like uh, Voorhees could mm-hmm. connect with Kaufman and yeah, they could so. work They're out free staters. some way to, you know, to help, you know, make that go. Right. And you're referring to Shapeshift, which yep. for a little bit of history, early on there was uh, Shapeshift was kind of the first of its kind. It was a website, still a centralized system. But it was a way to exchange one cryptocurrency, say Bitcoin, for another, say Dash or something. And it would allow you to do that without having an account. And that was the kind of the big deal with Shapeshift. Because normally you'd have to sign up for an exchange and you have to show your ID and jump through all these uh, know your customer hoops. And Shapeshift was a way to uh, avoid that. And then what happened a few years later was some kind of pressure got put on the Shapeshift guys. Eric Voorhees was their CEO. And he never really spoke about what that was. It was just sort of an unspoken, this is happening. Now we have to do know your customer procedures at Shapeshift. It basically killed a good portion of their business. Yeah, because got to do the government monkey dance. When that happened, yeah. I was in Washington State. And uh, I could no longer access Shapeshift, the website, uh, through regular web browsing because mm. your IPs give away your oh, geographic location. yeah, Washington location. was one of the two states they blocked. Right, Washington, New York, I think, was the other Yeah, one. that's right, yep. And so I could no longer, and it really, mm, I'm, I'm not trying not to use the wrong words here, uh, it upset me because uh, Shapeshift, uh, I had purchased my first hardware wallet, which was a KeepKey, mm-hmm. uh, and Shapeshift bought KeepKey. Right. And then all of a sudden, when you plug your keep key in and try to get on uh, just into your wallet, it's connected with Shapeshift, and it's like, oh, you got a KYC. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I didn't have to KYC when I bought this piece of hardware, so I shouldn't have to KYC to get my data off this piece of hardware. I had to send a thing to their customer service. You know, like you got to provide a way for this to happen. I had to be, you know, sort of a Karen about it. Yep. They finally provided a method for the users who got their keep key before Shapeshift purchased them mm-hmm. a way to get your money off of that. And so I did. I moved it, and I got a Trazor instead. Mm. And then later on, years later, they're like, oh, okay, now we've figured it out, and you don't have to KYC for your keep key anymore. Okay, So good. it would have been okay if I just sat on my hardware wallet for like three <laughs> years, years or something. Years, yeah, yeah, whatever it was. So at any rate, it was a whole bunch of hoops to jump through, but it certainly affected me personally mm-hmm. when they had to go through this stuff. Now- I'm a tech guy, and I figured out pretty quick that, oh, just use a VPN, bro, and you could get to the ShapeShift mm-hmm. site. So you could still conduct business on the ShapeShift site for some period of time. But I just didn't like the fact that here's a, a free stater, uh, a CEO of a tech company who professes to be libertarian, yep. but yet he's cowing down to the powers that be. I mean, you can't blame somebody like that. I understand the frustration, I, but I, I, I mean, get, but like, who wants to go to prison for this? Right. I get it from his perspective. He doesn't want to dance with the devil, right? right? And I, I don't blame him from that perspective, but as a consumer. Well, he is dancing with the devil. I, by I'm doing like, what- oh, come on, dude. Like, can't you like take it offshore? Or, you know, there, there's other options. And so eventually he did do the thing, which was turn it into a decentralized autonomous organization. Yeah, I think that was like a two years ago now, maybe, 2021, summer of 2021, if I recall correctly. I've been following their emails for, for some time. Yeah. Uh, and I was really happy to hear when they did that because it really hurt their business when they went to know your customer. They certainly that, lost my business. Yeah, it was, it was a huge factor in why people chose them was because you didn't have to identify yourself. Right. You could just go show up put the coins in that you didn't want 
get the coins out that you did want, and all you had to give them was your wallet address that you wanted the other coins deposited to, and that was it. And you have to pay a little uh, fee to course, exchange, but course. outside of that, yeah. Before the idea of a decentralized, this was pre-decentralized exchange, so it was still going through wherever their server was located, and I know that they did do something about moving to Switzerland at some points, that they were yeah, incorporated they there or yeah, something. Yeah, they did move some hardware off. he was physically, I think, still living in Colorado, so they could still get him, you know? And of course, the, the U.S. government can get people all around the world. I mean, there's only so many places, Russia's one of them, yeah. where you are actually insulated from being snatched up by some goon squad doing the United States dirty work. Yeah, askhim.com. So, right, well, he's actually still, I think, fighting extradition in that particular case. Yeah, but case. I mean, the goons like but, yeah. swatted his house, they basically. Did. Yep. Uh, so anyway, the shapeshift thing seems to have been successful. I mean, I, I don't know how you measure those metrics and, and I have not paid close enough attention to really be able to say, but I, I think I've seen some interviews with him. Well, post. Hey, it, it exists. Right? It's still there. It's yeah. still yeah. there. It exists. Yeah. And it and has it, no board of directors now and it has no corporate entity. And no one can take it down. So to me, that's a win. I don't care how popular yeah. it, it is or isn't. It still exists. And it's working, and, and no they one don't can need come KYC. and shut it down. They right? don't need KYC. And no KYC is necessary. And that really is one of the newest uh, revolutions in, in privacy technology and individual empowerment is that we can create technologies that not only are difficult to or aren't supposed to be censored or controlled by government entities, but literally cannot be. Right. And that's the way everything has to go with cryptocurrency. Uh, listen up, people. If you are the CEO, CFO, CTO, whatever, uh, sole proprietor of any sort of a cryptocurrency company, uh, with the exception of maybe like consulting, right? Uh, if you are providing a web-based product or service, the only way for you to go is decentralized. Mm -hmm. a, a, a government at some point is going to come for you. If Especially you, the United States. Yeah, particularly the United States. Uh, there might be some countries that, uh, I think Venezuela is one of them. There's a couple other places where uh, cryptocurrency is sort of sanctioned, if you will, by by the government. But that in no way means it's decentralized or autonomous, right? So the things that make cryptocurrency cryptocurrency, these ingredients, uh, are also the ingredients that need to be baked into any sort of an exchange service, any sort of a cryptocurrency service. Uh, just by for the nature of it, mm -hmm. because governments still exist. Cryptocurrency exists in defiance without permission of governments, and governments don't like that. So as long as it continues on, governments are going to persecute it for the rest of the, mm -hmm. the time that governments exist. exist. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what we were talking about uh, is the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission. They got a bunch of cases out there right now. They're, they're going after everybody in the cryptocurrency industry that they possibly can, including some of the biggest players like Coinbase and Binance, who are the two largest, uh, two of the largest exchanges yep. out there. Binance, the number one global exchange, Coin, Coinbase, the number one domestic uh, exchange. And those are the two sort of prominent cases that are just beginning. But there are two cases that are just wrapping out. And we did mention on Thursday, it was right at the end of the show, so I didn't have a, a lot of a, a chance to really talk about it. But the library case is something that's near and dear to our hearts because we've been you know, working with the, the library software for many years here on Free yeah. Talk Live. Free Talk Live was one of the first media organizations that was uh, approached by the library folks back in the day and they said 
you know, we think you we think you're gonna like this. Would you like to come, you know, on board here? There's this cool YouTube ingestion thing that they had and and we did and uh, i'm really happy with being there library is a protocol uh, first and foremost that allows people to upload different media to the internet it is decentralized it is a protocol which means that it is just simply code it's just open source code that exists out there for people to use which means you could Take your take the library code and you could roll up your own client if you're a programmer. You right. can make your own client. And that's what, kind of what they did with Odyssey, which is where I mentioned that you guys are going to be on later tonight over uh, Beard Talk Live, 1030 Eastern Time. You can go to watch.freetalklive.com. We're there right now yep. uh, during our radio show as well. And Odyssey is a platform that was built using the library protocol. It's more than that. They do some centralized server stuff where they, they host on content delivery networks and things like that so it's not purely de- odyssey isn't purely decentralized as a platform right but it has at its guts it has the library code in there it uses library as its backup mechanism if their cdns fail which the delivery networks and so there was a question because odyssey had sort of been born from library library of the corporation sort of gave birth to this other entity that then broke away at one point and so the sec was saying we want to kill that too essentially right. we want we want to take down odyssey and they were asking the judge for permission to uh, to do that so if there's any kind of good news out of the library ruling it is that odyssey is not going to be touched by the extraction or whatever you want to call it the uh, the destruction uh, procedure against library so they're not going to be um, under the Permanent injunction, I think, was the the terminology that was used. So, mm. library as a corporation, which of course we know is just a file folder, it's just a you know government paperwork, right? right. Library, any of its uh, affiliates, any of its employees, which it has none at this point, any of its board members, any of anybody connected with library in some way, its assigns, its agents, it's there's all these legal terms, right? right. They're all given this permanent injunction that they're not allowed to. Uh, violate the securities law and the judge essentially found that library had violated the securities law by all these stupid things we talked to jeremy kaufman about it they even said jeremy told us that they even the sec even considers giving away the library credits which are their digital token that's their cryptocurrency lbc the library credits giving them away was a violation of the securities law. They said that was the sale, the unregistered sale of securities, giving someone something for free. Yeah. Which, uh, so a, a lot of this all has to do with the the Howey test. Mm-hmm. And the first element of the Howey test is an investment of money. Mm-hmm. And somehow, an investment of no money counts as an investment of money. Yep. And the judge ruled in favor of the SEC on that on that question it's utterly baffling yeah no it's not baffling at all if you realize that government is just there to benefit themselves and not you if you realize that none of this is surprising right. yeah it's disappointing it's oh it's no they're to there hear. to protect the consumer it's, it's, captain it's no they're not <laughs> that's it what is, they say well, what's baffling is that they're willing to give up this much of their credibility as a, a real court system I mean, when you start going after people regardless of the definition of your own words, mm-hmm. right? 
I mean, you, you give up the very credibility that is why they can manage this. Oh, they've so, lost I mean, credibility I mean, in my time eyes a well, long yeah. time ago. But. Yeah, in your eyes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. The, the thing that makes a government different. So the reason that, uh, say, uh, 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 the Wagner Group or whatever doesn't just go out and start going, hey, why don't we just extract taxes from wherever or whoever? The reason that they can't do that, it's too expensive. You have to pay all of these people for all of that brutality all of the time, way more than you're going to get extracting money from people. Right. But... If there is that credibility, if people believe that justice is coming from its courts, if people believe that they're being protected by these police, then they will help so, this occur rather than getting in the way of it or at least slowing it down. So what makes the common folk, the regular people, uh, the non-libertarians, what makes them believe that? What makes them believe that the justice system is doing justice what makes them believe that the police system is there to protect well them what makes them believe that the sec is there to protect consumers well the starting point is the education system okay what else uh the media that continues to tell them how important it is to have these police here and what tv happens if you don't have and it? film mm. i specifically point to the rise of what i like to call cop shows mm. and there's even shows that on the surface aren't advertised as cop shows but they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to remember an obscure. Uh, trying to remember the name of it. Uh, it was an obscure sci-fi thing. It was produced in Canada, but it was on like uh, the UPN network or whatever the mm-hmm. uh, station is. And uh, so it was like, oh, this lady from the future uh, has to, you know, chase some sort of future criminal back into the past, right? And so she gets to the past, and she ends up buddying up with, like, a cop, and then becomes part of the cop force, mm. and then now she's where, and now it's just another cop oh, show. Oh, the one with the, like, invisible mm. super suit thing? That's the one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name. Quantum something? Uh, I can't remember yeah, the moment anyway. either. It'll come to and, and so that was, like, the first show that I was like, this is blatant. Uh Copvertising. Copaganda. Right? Copaganda. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. copaganda. I'm like, this is blatant copaganda. Even though I'm a sci fi guy, I love science fiction stuff. It had sci fi elements and all that stuff. And so I kept watching it, but it blatantly became a buddy cop show. Right. And and so like and and then I started looking at other shows that I watch regularly or have watched regularly. And I, I'm able to go, oh, here we go again. It's becoming a cop drama. If it's not becoming a cop drama, it's becoming a court drama, right? Uh, I can point to mm-hmm. almost zero shows that have gone on for more than a couple of seasons that haven't at some point, talking dramas yeah. or sci-fi yeah. or whatever, that haven't at some point become uh, a court show, mm-hmm. uh, a, a procedural, if uh, you will. Continuum. Continuum, yes. Uh, thank uh, you. Thank okay. you. Continuum was the name of that show. So uh, to me, Hollywood is just as guilty as the government for producing these copaganda shows. Sure they are. Yeah, I'm, I, what amazes me is how uh, almost universal the, the the copaganda is in superhero shows. Yeah. Like, oh, it is yeah. always a oh, matter of, yeah. like, whether, whether it's, like, a nice, happy one like The Flash or a darker one like Arrow. Either way, we always end up with, oh, well, we've got to buddy up with the cops. Right. And, you know, the cops want to do this, but that would be illegal, so we'll just do it for them. Mm. Yeah, no, and we've got to buddy up with these secret government military programs that's where the real good guys are <laughs> if superheroes did actually exist in in reality in our reality in our real world uh the first thing that would happen is they would all be rounded up 
Right. <laughs> they would be persecuted. That happened, actually. Worse, worse than the Jews. Uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it was Portland or Seattle, but one of those two cities, they actually had the real-life superheroes. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the guy's uh, name uh, in Seattle. Yeah, he, he uh, wore like a me. black and yellow yeah. outfit, and he had like a custom-made he would, he would literally go Phoenix out, Jones. Phoenix Jones, yes. He would literally go out on the street <laughs> and patrol yeah. for like street fights or like purse yeah. snatchings or pickpockets and or whatever. And they did target him. Yeah, they the totally police did. Did come after him, yeah, because well, he would make him look bad, right? Like if if there was really like a superhero, quote unquote, or a vigilante or whatever, yeah. who was going out there and actually busting real bad guys, actually stopping violent crimes in progress, he's gonna make the cops look bad because oh. they don't do that stuff in a lot of cases. Did you guys hear that um, Marvel, because now they've been bought by Disney, yeah, has canceled the Punisher? Yes, yeah, actually we talked about that with Mark uh, a couple weeks <laughs> okay, ago. Okay, good. I figured Mark would be all over because yeah. he's a Marvel fan. But, like, that is, like, first of all, you'll see the Punisher logo on, like, the back of cop cars or yeah, that's right. oh, yeah. personal vehicles or even on their uniform sometimes mm-hmm. uh, or on their phone or something like that. So the cops themselves fancy themselves as vigilantes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what's bizarre is how often you see it paired up with the thin blue line. Yeah. It's sure. like those are opposites. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder how the law enforcement uh, section of society uh, feels about the punishment be- or the punisher being canceled because that's like their hero, mm. right? You know, they like to put him on all their stuff. So, like, how did they get away with canceling this guy when that's like the police mascot, the Marvel police mascot, right? Now, if you read The Punisher at all or pay any attention to the story, you realize that it's a guy who's a former military guy. He's jilted, mm-hmm. right? And he goes on a vigilante spree because he's like, well, the government isn't doing anything, mm-hmm. so I'm going to take matters into my own hands, right? And so for the cops to look up to that is disturbing in and of itself, right? For that that to be their sort of hero, the thing they look their up fantasy. to. Their fantasy. Yeah, their fantasy. It's like, that's not what you are, guys. You You are a gang. Right. right. Uh, if there's any police listening, you are a gang. You wear your colors just because your colors happen to be, you know, the same matching suit that your buddy puts on when you go to work every day. Doesn't make you any less of a gang. That's all you're all you are is a gang. Yeah. Such a blatant gang that they put their gang colors on their own vehicles. Right. Sure do. Thin blue line stickers. Uh, let's continue. Want to talk more. We haven't even really gotten into the ripple story. Right. Uh, that's the bigger bigger news this week. The library case is now dead. It's over. We'll talk. We'll wrap that one out, and then we'll get into what the Ripple case is all about. Similar decisions between the two. Why the Ripple case matters. You know, we can talk about all this coming up here. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. That's six zero three two eight three six one six zero. If you want to weigh in, you can join the show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind here as well on the live Saturday edition. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Unfortunately, due to government meddling, the company that partnered with Dash to offer Dash Direct is leaving the crypto business. However, they weren't the only provider of discounted gift cards for Dash. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. You could actually live off your Dash using bitrefill.com. Plus, many of their gift cards come with a discount. 
Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. It's Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. Live Saturday episode. The number is 603-283-6160 if you want to get on the air on broadcast radio online. As well, we are live streamed and we are podcast. You can follow our podcast over at feeds.freetalklive.com. And there are different feeds there for you to connect with. Also links to some of the major podcast platforms out there like iHeartMedia and uh, what's the other one? Stitcher, I think. No, Stitcher, the one shutting down. One of them shutting down. I'm sorry. I forget which, oh, which one it is. Yeah, but know. all those biggies, we got links to them over there as well. And I want to say thanks to Dash. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash. We were just talking about the idea of the decentralized autonomous organization. And Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. But they were the first to do the decentralized autonomous organization. They're the first DAO? I don't even know if it was called a decentralized autonomous organization back when they did it because they were the first ones. And wow. I think that terminology came a little bit later. I, I really I, I knew that they were I knew that they claimed to be the first, but I didn't know that like they absolutely were. Okay. Yeah, there was nothing like the, Dash was one of the first cryptocurrencies. I remember that. So like yeah. it was Bitcoin and uh Litecoin came from Bitcoin. Litecoin yep. was the first alternative to yep. Bitcoin. And Dash was forked the Litecoin code. And so that's where Dash came so from. Dash came before Doge. I I don't have the list in front of me of what came out when. Right okay. now, Dash was like in the first eleven or twelve, I think, cryptocurrencies. Okay. So it was very very early on. Uh, and it's widely available on exchanges. It's you know it's been around. It's in multi crypto wallets. But the thing they did was they set up their organization very differently. Bitcoin, when it's mined, for instance, into existence, you know, every ten minutes there's a new Bitcoin block mined. Uh, 100% of the mining rewards go to the miner that found the, the block, that mm. uh, secured that, that block. In Dash, it's 45% goes to the miner, 45% goes to their masternode system, mm. uh, which performs different tasks for the network, like their chain locks technology that protects them from 51% attacks. But also 10%, the remaining 10%, goes into a treasury. And then anybody that has one Dash to put forward, it actually used to cost five Dash, yeah. but they lowered it. Because somebody made a proposal that said that they should lower it to, to one, and the master nodes vote on these proposals every month. Right. There's a certain voting period, and the master nodes vet the, you know, they're going to ask tough questions in a lot of cases, and they vet the proposals, and then they vote on which ones move forward and which ones don't. And then, then they get funded automatically by that treasury. That is their decentralized autonomous organization, and it's worked very, very well to help uh, dash improve and promote itself over the years in fact that's how we got this sponsorship so big thanks to the dash dow for sending us 32 dash per month to promote dash on the air you can visit dash.org to learn about dash again that is dash.org so we were talking about the big cryptocurrency related rulings uh here on the show and that is in regards to the sec versus library and the SEC versus Ripple. And I made a few notes about the library case, and we'll get into the Ripple case here. But 
the library case library is done for as a corporation they have to disband there's basically no one left anyway because they have no more money after fighting this case right they don't have enough money to appeal the case so it is dead in the water uh at this point unfortunately that is where that one's going to end land of the free if you can afford it yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and now oh on top of this they have to pay a hundred and i think eleven thousand dollars to the sec i don't know if they have that stashed Why? away somewhere i suspect they don't Punitive, uh, you know, punishments, fines, things like that. Well, freedom isn't free, Captain. Yeah. That's considered one of the lower tiers of fines. So, like, it could be a million dollars, right? It could be more than that, right? So, one hundred eleven thousand dollars. They're supposed to feel like they got off. Uh, they got off easy on that. I mean, one. I think I would just turn the switch off and you know tell them to pound sand. Yeah. Well, collecting. how do you get blood from a stone? Yeah. I mean, I don't like think you're already have... out of money. So right. like, what well, and they're being, to, they're being told they have to, well, they've agreed to get rid of all of their library credits. Sure. So they had millions of the library credits, the LBC that they, uh, that was from which they were giving away. Yeah. Right. They also were selling some of them, uh, but they have to essentially destroy those. Yeah. So they can't use, they can't turn that into dollars and then use that to pay off the sec. So yeah, I don't know if they have, $100,000 just sitting around. Or a dollar for that. Yeah, I, I don't know if they do. And I don't know what happens to you if you are an organization that cannot pay, if you've been bankrupted by, and you have no assets, basically. Yeah, they yeah they got off light, whereas, say, Bank of America, who was uh, making new accounts and mm-hmm. new credit cards for a tremendous number of their own customers, yeah. they paid... Uh, two hundred and fifty million was it? That's recent news, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I gotta say, w- wow, wow, chump change for those just guys. chump change. Yeah. I mean, if you like, it's a, just a tiny fraction of the enormous amount of money they made from breaking those laws. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to talk about, oh, you should feel good about the slap on the wrist, maybe well, not when your entire company's been destroyed. No, it's terrible. This is an under-publicized. Uh, strategy method if you will that government uses which is you could be completely 100 percent in the right to the t they were cross the i's dot the t's whatever it is 100 percent in the right uh it, you know you did all the right things in the eyes of the the letter of the law right but if you go bankrupt trying to prove it to them in court they still win they win and yep. so this is an under it costs about, nothing to them. It costs nothing for. Well, I mean, the government, of course, just steals more money right. from people to keep the taxpayers afloat. Pay for it. Right, exactly. And they'll print it. But if you're somebody who is being attacked by government, uh, and they're saying all sorts of things about you and forcing you to go prove yourself, you mm-hmm. know, quote court of law, unquote. All they got to do is drag that thing out until you're broke, and then they yep. win. And this has been going on for years. Same thing's true of the Ripple ruling. One other point about library, though, is they. Uh, so they're de- they're done for as a, as a company. Now, again, we don't know what's going to happen to the software in the future. It's open source. So right. technically, anybody can pick this up and start developing it. Maybe a decentralized autonomous organization. We'll find out, I guess, over time. So it, it is not the end of the story for Library. That can, hopefully will continue on into the future. But the company itself, the CEO and all that, yeah. uh, that part is is done for. The thing is, the judge didn't rule on whether or not Library is a security which is a strange thing to say when the judge also ruled that they're guilty of selling unregistered securities. Right, yeah. And I was well, reading, I don't know if that is a security, but you definitely sold securities. It's like, uh, right. let's, let's well, replace wait, that with something. Which one? 
let's replace that with something uh, normal, right? Like, uh, uh, you're convicted of selling uh, un- unregistered used cars. Mm-hmm. But we're not sure that what you were selling was a car. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's that absurd. And the judge ruled specifically that holding or purchasing library credits, LBC, for quote-unquote consumptive purposes is okay. So if you, because this was one of the big questions, was if you had gone on a cryptocurrency exchange mm-hmm. and you had purchased library credits and put them in your own wallet, mm-hmm. was that a crime? Did the exchange sell you a security? Was that an unregistered security that the exchange, was that a deal with a, a security that the, is going to put the exchanges in jeopardy, the customers potentially you know, could have to, for, I don't know, yeah. but there could be some consequences from that. No, apparently that's okay. So it was only a security when the library corporation sold it mm-hmm. in order to fund the things that it was doing, as I understand it. And I think the Ripple case has a similar ruling, uh, which we'll get into coming up here in a moment. And the final thing is that they... Uh, uh, so, yeah, so it's okay to buy it purportedly from other people. It's okay to buy it as long as they're not library corporation employees. And it's okay to buy it supposedly from exchanges. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it should be okay to sell it. This isn't legal advice. <laughs> it might be okay to sell it to your friends, you know, as long as you don't make promises about what it's going to do. So there's like this weird dichotomous ruling here where it's like it's a security when they want it to be a security. And it's not a security when it's not a security. How convenient. Even though it's the same exact thing. It is a oh, cryptocurrency token. I've got it. I figured it out. It's it's like when you try and sell oregano as, as pot. So it wasn't like you are guilty of possession even though mm-hmm. it wasn't pot. You're guilty of sales exactly. of marijuana even right. though it wasn't pot. Right, so this wasn't a, this wasn't a security necessarily. It was but purported. you definitely sold securities, purported securities. Right, in that case. that's a good analogy. Yeah, it's, there we go. Yeah. It just goes to further prove that government has uh, no concept of what they're dealing with. Cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and None. all of the things that have sprouted out of that NFTs, uh, ordinals, uh, you know, uh, bureaucratic improvements. Right, the the ability to keep far more accurate and permanent records than any government has ever been able to do, uh, all of these things combined uh, are just a, a hair, a tiny fraction, the tip of the iceberg, if you will, of what this technology can do. And government obviously doesn't understand that. If they did, they would treat it like the brand new invention that it is, mm-hmm. and try and figure mm-hmm. it out as a brand new invention. It'd be like uh, trying to legislate. Uh, airplanes based on horse and buggy law right basically that's what they're doing so yeah it's like well so we have this rule about horse grooming and we've just decided that since you didn't wash your car you (laughs) didn't groom your horse properly (laughs) that's right because the pilot didn't take a shower today right (laughs) you're guilty of not grooming your horse yeah exactly i want to go to the phones here we have skeeter on the line in california you're on free talk live go ahead skeeter hey i called into uh disagree with the bald guy about uh, government needing the media for... Um, His name is Captain Kickass. Captain Kickass? Yeah, that's right. You do listen to the show, right? Uh, I just forgot his name. He, yeah, I just remember him telling me to call him Shaw. You know, we do introductions so, all the time on this, this program. But anyway, what were you calling about specifically? 
Yeah, I wanted to disagree with him on uh, the fact that government needs the media for propaganda to convince the public uh, that it needs it. Oh, I don't know that they need them, but they certainly do it use helps. them. It helps a lot. Right? Uh, it certainly is a continuation of all of the propagandization that they begin in the public schools. Absolutely, because the people who graduate from those government schools... They go on to the government colleges where they're further indoctrinated into pro-government mindset. And those people get so-called journalism degrees and then they go into the media. So it's a total government uh, propaganda pipeline. Now, I, I'll take that position definitely that they honestly could not do what they do without it. No, I, I don't think uh, I don't think those are the major things that convince the public that it uh, uh, that it needs it. OK, well, other than media, I... what are the things that you think convince the public? Uh, remember, Ian, I called in Thursday. I, I made the claim that uh, U.S. citizens get a lot more than they pay for at the moment uh, than they pay in taxes. <laughs> you yeah. did Ridiculous. make that claim. <laughs> yeah, that well, doesn't that answer the question, though. You defend uh, it or make a good yeah, point about well, it, but I, you made I'm, the claim. I'm going to get into it. I'm just, uh, just refreshing your memory because I'm going to get into it. But, cool. yeah, uh, that alone will overcome any taxation is theft argument that you can throw at them. <laughs> But uh, okay, I'm so, so glad you live in California. You are just perfect for California. It's true. Yeah, I mean, you so, sound like so, a California guy. I mean, indoctrinated but, by the California government to believe that government actually provides well, all these wonderful people services to people, yeah, and and more than you're actually paying for it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can show. I can show it too. Sure, well, you can, bro. He, he might be technically correct because the government actually, uh, when 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 they tax you, uh, that money from the federal level actually goes uh, primarily to cover the interest on the loans they take from the Federal Reserve, which is now, by the way, coming close to a trillion dollars a year in right. interest payments to the Federal Reserve. And so the the federal government, by way of borrowing from the Federal Reserve, borrows far more money than they actually uh, inflict. On on the taxpayers as as taxation so yeah, in, in that way he totally. is technically correct all right so let's move through well, your points though, well, so the, the, the thing is that there's literally only one way to conclusively prove that people are getting uh, enough for them to pay for this and that's to give them the option not to pay for it Ooh, yeah, but I've no, never been given that option. Right. No one's ever been given that option, and we never will. That's the hallmark of a crappy organization that has to force you to pay for its services. If indeed they were so valuable, people would be clamoring uh, to hand over even more than what the government was demanding. Mm -hmm. If it was so wonderful, then people would regularly write checks to the IRS that were higher than what they were, quote-unquote, owing to them. Have you done that, Skeeter? When you pay, do you actually pay higher because you truly believe that it's really worth more? No. Again, I'm an accelerationist, so I try to decrease the revenue. But, uh, I mean, it, so there's some... Well, now, wait. If you're an accelerationist, wouldn't giving them more revenue allow them to do more evil things and therefore crash the government sooner? You, you have to understand when uh, the budget plan, those uh, the funding and spending are two separate uh, actions, right? Okay, so what you are saying is you don't actually believe that government provides a better service than what you pay for. I do at the moment. You yes, believe that, but you don't really believe it because you won't actually pay more for it. No, I'm, I want to hurt them fiscally. 
because that's their weakness. Well, well, now hold on. Let's uh, before you get into that and, and your ultimate uh, goals and all of that. Uh, please respond to this exact point. So, like, if you believe that you're getting a dollar and ten cents or a dollar and one cent or whatever uh, out of every dollar that the government gets, then why on earth would you not want to give them an extra dollar? It's no, no. It's it's more like uh, ten to one. Uh, but, wow. So, so even more so, if you're getting $10 worth of services for every $1, then why don't you pay more than they ask of you, as they put it? Because that, because that doesn't affect uh, the spending. Those are, t- again, I have to say it again. Oh, again, so, guys- so, okay. All right. So the reason you don't overpay is because you don't believe that they would spend more if they got more money. Yeah. So it, it How old are you? Are you like 12? Uh, what does that matter? Uh, it sounds like you haven't been around very long. If you don't think that if you gave the government more money that they would not spend it all? Uh, I, I just want to like hurt their uh, budget. So again, like, well, hold on. How different do you, how separate are these? So like if, uh, say California, uh, for some reason or another got twice as much money coming in, you don't think that that would change their spending at all? So here's the argument. It may increase, but it's a wash. So it doesn't. So by giving, so it's a wash, right? So if I give them the extra dollar, they're just going to spend that extra dollar. Mm-hmm. That's a wash. It doesn't hurt them. But uh, they wouldn't spend the ten dollars that, that you think you're getting in services. Quit cutting me off. It doesn't affect their deficit by that way. So if I give them a dollar, they spend an extra dollar. It doesn't affect their deficit, right? I want to hurt their deficit. So then, therefore, you don't pay taxes at all because that would truly hurt them. No. No, so again, I'm not. A, um, accelerationism isn't a principle, so I'll sacrifice. That's right. You that. have no principles whatsoever. You've already admitted no, that do, you're I a utilitarian. Why? Why do you strawman again? No, it, you've described yourself as a utilitarian. Yeah, and you know they have principles. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, they do. No, utilitarian is somebody who will do whatever it takes uh, to achieve whatever goal it is that they think is important. No, no. Well, I'm a different type of utilitarian, but there, uh, so a, classical, a classical utilitarian's principle is the greatest happiness for the greatest number of people. That's not a principle. That is just your particular perspective. You have an opinion about what is the greatest happiness for the greatest number of people. It may have no resemblance to my opinion about what would be the greatest happiness for the greatest number of people. But the difference is I'm not willing to go and engage in violence and threatening violence against people, uh, peaceful people in order to achieve my grand visions. But a utilitarian like yourself absolutely is. I'm not a classical utilitarian. I don't so, care what you um, are. Well, you don't even know my principles, so how can you criticize them? You have no principles. Let's get around back to your other point about you were going yeah. to give us a list of uh, things, why the government doesn't really need the media to propagandize people. And the first thing you gave on the list was that they're just so great at spending money. And what's item number two? Oh, come on. Stop traumatizing me. They- that was what you said. You said it was a 10 to 1 ratio that for every dollar that the government takes in taxes, they'd give 10 times the benefits. No, not the benefits. They just spend that much. So, you know, we don't get that much actually in profit, but... uh, You get nothing. They tax you. No, so first off, the 10 times comes from the unfunded liability. So on balance sheet, right, you see that they borrow as much as they tax, right? So it's pretty much like half half of the, uh, the spending. Yeah, they borrow more, which is why they have deficits. 
No, I think it's it's pretty close to one to one what they tax and what they borrow on balance sheet. But what you don't see is the unfunded liabilities. All all those people that earn health benefits. So what you were saying when you said it was ten to one, you weren't yeah. saying you got ten times the service no. for the dollar. But weren't yeah, you but, saying that they gave you better service than what you paid for? Didn't you say that earlier? Yeah, so that's pretty easy to do. If they spend ten times what you give them, it's uh, all they have to do is like uh, get twenty percent efficiency, and, and the, you'll. So, what's their, item their number two on your list of why it is that Americans don't really need the media to propagandize them about government and how great it is? Because they benefit at the moment, not without respect to the debt. I mean, we benefit. <laughs> so we, we benefit from national defense, right? So when no, we have a no, show, no, we don't. Absolutely when not. Come on, come on. Come no. On. So so what, what falls under the label of national defense has the outcome of causing more people to want to kill me. So since it yes. has... blowback. Yeah, since it increases the overall amount of death aimed at me, it actually is the reverse of a defense. Yeah. If they stopped entirely, we would at least stop at this level of people who want to kill me. Yeah, imagine actually believing that quote-unquote national defense was just simply that. It is the, like you said, it's the opposite. They go around the world bombing and killing innocent people, and that creates terrorism, right? That creates people who want to get revenge because their family just went up in a ball of flames, and so now they have nothing else to live for but going and getting revenge on the great Satan or whoever it was, the U.S. military and the American people and all that. I mean, this is why I asked Skeeter if he's, you know, 12 years old or 17 or something like that, because he seems to have absolutely no world uh, experience. He seems to just live in a complete fantasy land about the government. And thank you for the call tonight. I've had enough of his complaining and whining. Let's go to Tom. He's in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Tom. Tom? In New Hampshire. Going once. T is for Tom. Going twice. Let's try the major pain on the line in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. But, uh... Yeah, they're still messing with you on your phone lines. I had to uh, call and hang up right quick and call back and do that at least five, six times just to get through. Huh. Last night, I What can you do? And... I, well, I just got a new phone, and this thing's got 5G capabilities, so I'm thinking they're messing with me through a, another tower. You do sound but better, the, though. Uh, the listen line numbers you gave me the other night? Yeah, he does sound only better. Only one of them kind of functioned. Unless unless I got I wrote something down wrong, but I don't think I did. Maybe it's just because you live way out there in Michigan or something. <laughs> that could be it. Well, dude, I used to be able to get a hold of you on a cheaper phone than I got now, and now when I call <laughs> yeah. up the... I just got through the first time I tried it, so it just you know your mileage may vary, I guess. Uh, you know what they say, Major? They don't make them like they used to. They come on with a recording that says that this number is no longer you know out of service or whatever. Yeah. Well, I'll have to look into that later. What were you calling about tonight? Um, just the damn phones. I was surprised I got through to you. Seriously? <laughs> so you were calling in about calling in? Okay. I mean that is a topic. It, it so, technically counts. I know yeah. uh, uh, one of the uh, the largest complaints on on Beard Talk Live is that uh, when people call and are on hold, they hear mm -hmm. the, the other shows of, of the show. Yeah, and uh, so we have to explain that to new callers constantly. It's become a joke now, mm -hmm. right? During the Beard Talk Live show, we're like, "Oh yeah, that again." Okay. Yeah, I'd have to really think about how to... I don't even know if we can easily yeah, make I, that change. Unless we had a bunch of money thrown at us by some sort of a sponsor or something, it would be uh, uh, difficult to do, which is, of course, what we tell people. Uh, if you are a fan of Beard Talk Live, uh, go buy a shirt 
Go on Amazon, type in Beard Talk Live, buy a shirt, help us out, because uh, we have no budget, and we literally None. borrow this studio to do our show. Thank you, Major, for the call tonight. Let's talk to Ricky in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian, Brother Captain. Peakless Mountaineer, good evening. Evening. What's on your mind? Well, I'm going to get in my topic a brief second, but I heard Major Payne call, and this is the third <laughs> time he called in for his phone issues. But I got a tip for him. If you listen to Major, listen to Ricky from the Commonwealth. I've been using this number for six months. Dial 151-893-11137. It's what, what is that? That's the, when I was too many numbers. Also, I have a number. That's a listen line. It's like a secret listen line that I don't even know. Well, about. I, well, well, what it is is I called it early on. You gave me a couple of numbers. One of them oh. I hit for new and improved service. Hit this one. I dialed that one. It's oh, called. they gave you a fresh number. I see. Yeah, that sometimes yeah. happens where these these listen lines for listeners that don't know, there's their phone numbers you dial and you can listen over the phone. It's like the the worst possible way. Hang on, Rick. I know you had something else to say. It's the worst possible way to listen to the show because obviously it's the lowest quality. It's just a phone call. Um, but they're constantly like changing their systems or whatever for whatever reason, and we don't pay them for the service. They actually make money off of some weird long-distance quirk. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, they get paid per minute through the long-distance company, I think is how that works. Anyway, wow. there's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We are kicking off the second hour of this live Saturday episode of the program. The number, if you want to join us here, is 603-283-6160. Here tonight, Ian. Peakless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. Of course, you can join us online anytime you want. We do have our own social media platform. And you can access that by going to social.freetalklive.com. That is where you can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners, as well as uh, some of the hosts of the show have accounts there. So head over to social.freetalklive.com as we go back to the phones here. Ricky is still with us, calling from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Ricky. What were you calling about tonight? Thank you there, brother Ian. Just wanted to say one thing. As far as the quality of that number that I was given, it's exactly the same quality as I'm hearing right now. 
So that is not true. Oh, oh, you're on your phone, right? So yes, that would be yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, we're talking about the listen top. lines, and I did test them during the break, and the main ones that we list on our website are still working. But the thing is, sometimes depending on where you're calling in from, these companies, I don't, and Captain, you tried to figure out how these I, companies make money. I, looking, I couldn't find any. You're a telephony guy, so like yeah. you've worked in the industry for a long time, and you don't know, and you couldn't figure it out. But I, I mean, I'm pretty sure they got to be making some kind of revenue off of these somehow, and they're not inserting advertisements in, so it's not an ad model. I think it's based on some obscure governmental, you know, some old telephone rule that the government still have in effect that the average user doesn't have to pay for long distance directly anymore. But at some level, I think some kind of, you know, internal phone company thing is paying for long distance. And so that's somehow how these people make their money. But anyway, they're always like assigning new numbers. And sometimes they have like if you call the number with a cell phone, you might get redirected to a different number. Whereas if you call it from a landline, they might just go ahead and play you the the thing you're looking for. So it, it seems to depend on the type of phone that you call from. Anyway, what are you calling about Ricky for real tonight? No doubt. Well, it was Thursday night. And uh, I heard a name from the past mentioned. And what happened to him? And that was Ralph the Racist. Yes, that's right. The guy who was obsessed with Obama. He used to call years ago. Obama! And he has really really a character that called into the show. Yeah, that's that's the one. Well, here's what I remember. Now, I remember it. I estimate, because I'm not on the internet still yet. Nonetheless, I can't check. But it was about the middle of the year, give or take. Ricky from the Commonwealth had about a month-long feud with Ralph the Racist. Now, here's from memory how this went. I went after Ralph the Racist because he was a racist, plus his Obama, and he was just stupid. Well, that went back and forth several calls, but when it started to get really hot, was he got that brilliant idea in his infinite wisdom where he's going to pick on my Southern Cross and the Confederacy and all that happy stuff. Ultimately, what happened is I, because I had talked about Weehawken before, and I referenced that, and he was from New Jersey, and I recommended a verbal duel. And What is uh, a verbal duel? Well, I said, I said, what I recommended was a, a three-round debate with timing. Now, the only thing that changed with that is Daryl changed the time. So it was basically about, oh, I don't know. For example, this is close. One minute, one minute, one minute each for three And what rounds. was the debate about? What was the subject? And then the closing 30 seconds. Well, uh, basically, uh, I went after Ralph. Uh, I, well, it was basically... You know, not only the race issue, but it was basically loser leave show. Now, you said no to that. That's basically the premise of the debate. You said no. And, and what, now, what was Daryl, the judge, our, our former co-host, Daryl Perry? Yeah, was he the he, judge? Yeah, a mute button. And what, what, basically what Ralph did was when the first uh, question came out, okay, and that was a thing. There was questions, you know. Uh, and the first question came out, I was under time. Well, Ralph, Ralph copied me. So basically, mm-hmm. Ralph copied me. I don't think we need a whole thing. recap of this debate. End but, the, uh... the story. Here's what happened to him. It was after that, you know, and unfortunately, they put it on Facebook. Four people voted, two for Ralph, two for me. Fine. What happened is a call came in sometime after that. This next call from Ralph. 
And all of a sudden, he, and he was, I know you were on that night. And he said, oh, go, baby, go, Ricky, Confederacy. He's saying all this stuff. Here he met up with some of the boys. Uh, somehow the boys? Huh? The boys? Well, obviously, some. I have a feeling that somebody might have knew him or may have heard of this, because all of a sudden he's so pro-Confederacy. And the man was totally scared. You even commented on it, how some of these people in the rural areas, you know. And the funny thing after that, that was kind of like the end of Ralph. Ralph kind of just disappeared soon after that. And I was in on till the beginning of 18. So you think you ran him off? With your debate. Either that or I hate either that or I hate to say it. Maybe Ralph did something more stupid than whatever caused him to get on him in the first place. Could be. You Thank you, I mean? Ricky, for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Let's go to Sarah. She's in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Sarah, going once. Sarah. Sarah going twice. All right. She'll probably call back. Uh, so the number here, if you want to join the show, 603-283-6160. Peakless Mountaineer, you wanted to talk about the Ripple ruling here tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been following this pretty closely? Oh, yeah. So first and foremost. What is I'd, Ripple? Well, okay. So um, Ripple is, bas- I mean, for all intents and purposes, from everything that I can find out about this thing. So there's uh, XRP, which is a token that, I mean, if there is if there has ever been a good argument for for tokens being securities, it's Ripple. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they have just had their fingers in the pie at every step on this, and they have been completely invested in making sure that this coin does well, and uh, everything seems to be oriented around whether the XRP token does things. And that's the basis of this company. So if anything, there was a, a, a good argument for, oh, well, you're just getting around the idea of like releasing stocks or bonds by making these into a cryptocurrency. It was this case. And I was just absolutely certain that this was not going to go the way I wanted to, that the judge would sooner or later rule, yes, this was a security, you are guilty of Mm -hmm. these uh, uh, securities laws violations, and the SEC can govern what you're doing. And then all of a sudden, no, no, it went the other way. Well, halfway. Halfway? The Ripple ruling was divided, as I understand it. The Ripple ruling was that the judge ruled that they were indeed guilty of selling unregistered securities, and they will be paying probably very hefty fines for that. But on the other hand, uh, the judge ruled that it wasn't a security when, let's see here, it said it did not violate federal securities law by selling its XRP token on public exchanges. So that was the big relief for a lot of the people that have been passing this news around meaning and which is similar to what the other judge said in the library case about mm. library was yeah. if you bought it on an exchange that was not a securities trade mm. but if it was sold by ripple then it was mm. same thing with the, with the library case as i understand it well what in the heck sense does that make it doesn't <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. And in fact, some people are saying that there's going to be an appeal by the Securities and Exchange Commission on the part that they lost, quote unquote, Mm. here. And again, they did win part of the case, and they're likely going to have millions of dollars in in payouts uh, from Ripple on this one. According to a guy on Twitter, he says, I reviewed the district court ruling on Ripple, and it rests on very shaky ground. Expect an appeal. He said the district court found that Ripple's sale of of, uh, XRP, which is Ripple, to institutional investors did amount to an unlawful security sale. 
Ripple presumably received a billion dollars from these sales, which we will, they will be required to likely, quote-unquote, disgorge. So mm. that's the final phase of the... Uh, the civil case that we just saw library go through is the penalties and quote unquote disgorgement. Mm. Uh, and so, and plus penalties and fines. So they'll have to hand over what they made from those sales to the sec. And then on top of that, additional penalties and fines to the sec based on their loss in the case. But the court also found that in the context of the programmatic sale of ripple to random people, that Ripple did not constitute an investment contract under the Howey test, and thus it was not a security. Hmm. But he says he thinks the court's reasoning is weak, and he will explain why. Uh, Howey, he says, requires three things. A scheme where one, A, invests his money, B, in a common enterprise, and three, is or C, is led to expect profits solely from the efforts of the promoter or a third party. He says the court took issue with prong three, why is that? Here's what the court said when it did find an investment contract with respect to the institutional investors. Quote, from Ripple's communications marketing campaign and the nature of the institutional sales, reasonable investors would understand that Ripple would use the capital received from its institutional sales to improve the market for XRP and develop uses for the XRP ledger, thereby increasing the value of the XRP. So that was the reasoning behind why, when they sold to institutional investors, that it was indeed a security, quote-unquote. He says it sounds like a lot like what the programmatic buyers would have expected as well. So why the difference? The court mm. found significant that buyers couldn't know who was selling them the XRP, meaning if they were buying on an exchange, they didn't know that they were funding, or they, and they probably weren't directly funding Ripple if they're buying on an exchange. They're probably mm. getting it from other people that want to sell their uh, their Ripple. Thus, they couldn't have any expectation that it was going to fund the enterprise, which is what the court Ruled, quote, indeed, Ripple's programmatic sales were blind bid-ask transactions, and programmatic buyers could not have known if their payments or money went to Ripple or any other seller of XRP. But this uh, analyst says, why should this matter under the Howey test? The question is not whether it's going to fund the common enterprise, but whether they can, quote, expect profits from the efforts of a third party. And if the institutional investors expected profits from the sale, why wouldn't the regular people buying them on the exchanges? So he's saying that he thinks the SEC will have success if they appeal this why, decision. Why does the government have anything to do with any of this anyway? Because they say so. They want to and rule the money you world. And they'll if you disagree. Okay, so other than that, there's no like logical or... Uh, empirical reason for them to well, be involved in okay, any of this. So, so right? the propagandistic reason would be this. Uh, you would not be able to have anything if the government were not securing your right to property. And since the government is keeping you safe from all those other countries and all those non-country dangers, and it's keeping your property your property, therefore they get to say which rules you have to follow. Sure, I, 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 understand, I understand you. that, right? Uh, so... What I'm seeing here is a pattern in all of these crypto cases where no victim, no crime. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, and and that's very much the case. There is no actual victim to any of this. Except but... for Ripple and Library. Right. Well, right. yeah, they're Except being victimized by, by, the, by government. the government. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. By the thugs. Right. right. 
losing a bunch of money, uh, you being know, being put out of losing business, their livelihood, taking their businesses away, affecting their families. And yeah, I mean, Ripple's a bigger organization than Library, mm-hmm. so it'll be you know interesting to see if they survive this one. They well, might be able to survive it. Wasn't the knock against Ripple that they were already sort of in bed with the big banks? That's anyway, what, that was the whole point of Ripple was yeah. to mm-hmm. get in bed with oh, the big absolutely. banks. Uh, a big part of this whole project was to start experimentation on central bank digital currency platforms. And so now we suddenly see government being a bit easier on them than the rest of the cryptocurrencies they're prosecuting we or the indeed. people involved in cryptocurrencies that they've been you after. You think they're going easy on them? Oh yeah, by way absolutely. of comparison. I mean, Ripple. Oh yeah, compare. Well, if you compare how the library trial went with how the Ripple trial's gone yeah. so far, they've at least gotten halfway easier. Obviously. Hmm. Now, now, one of the I'm the, not sure these rulings sound similar to me. Really? Yeah, you've got the in the library case, the judge said he would not rule on whether library is a security. And similarly here, uh, the next point here from this guy, he says the court expressly acknowledges it does not reach the question of whether secondary sales constitutes securities. Uh, so that sounds kind of similar to well, me. But, but this judge did rule that that wasn't illegal. Did they not? That when when the uh, XRP token was sold on exchanges, that that did not violate securities law. Whereas in library, they didn't rule that that did not violate that rule. They said, we are not ruling on that subject. The library case uh, said holding or purchasing library coins for consumptive purposes is okay. Ah, so that can I mean see. that buying on an exchange for quote-unquote consumptive purposes is fine. So for consumptive purposes. Yeah. I wonder what their definition of consumptive purposes yeah. is. I guess so, spending it on the library platform, for instance, you're using it as a utility token in that particular way, which is the yeah, intention but, behind it. Yeah, but there's no, there's no consumptive purpose to Ripple. What to, was, to XRP, that's true. I mean. Like, that's there's true. no that way is of one using that here. for a particular usage. What was that's the specific true. piece that caused the bump in, in Ripple and the rest of the crypto market? The uh, ruling well, the came ruling down. The, the ruling came down, up. but there was a specific piece to it that everybody pointed to. Like this is why there's a bump in the market. And I it's don't because what you it was. can buy it on exchanges, according to this this ruling. Okay, so we may see some exchanges that had dropped Ripple or pick right. it back up. They, they already oh, have. Oh, we have. Yeah, they already have. Oh, yeah. really? Several yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah, like same day, Coinbase yeah. uh, announced huh. that they would, and then did uh, put wow. it back on. And Gemini announced that they were considering. Huh. Like day of is what what happened there. Uh, according to the story here at Reuters, the ruling by District Judge Annalisa Torres was the first win for a crypto company in a case brought by the Securities and Exchange Commission, though it did give the SEC a partial victory. And uh, while the decision is specific to the facts of the case, it will likely provide ammunition for other crypto firms battling the SEC over whether their products fall under the regulator's jurisdiction. The SEC spokes bureaucrat said the agency was pleased with part of the ruling in which the judge held that Ripple violated securities law by selling XRP directly to sophisticated investors. It is possible for the ruling to be appealed once the final judgment is issued or if the appeal is allowed beforehand. The SEC spokes bureaucrat said they were reviewing the decision Ripple's chief executive, Brad Garlinghouse, in an interview called the ruling, quote, a huge win for Ripple, but more importantly, for the industry overall in the U.S. But what this guy is saying on Twitter, and his name, give him credit, is Brian Jacotot, B-R-Y-A-N-J-A-C-O-U-T-O-T, is he thinks that if uh, the SEC appeals this, and why wouldn't they? 
Right. You know, they have an unlimited budget. Oh, yeah. So they didn't get the full ruling in their favor, so they can appeal the thing that didn't go in their favor. He believes that the appeals court will reverse this uh, decision and rule in favor of the SEC. uh, And what got released in the news, at any rate, immediately after this court ruling was released, was that uh, the judge had ruled that XRP was not a security. So that's, uh, to answer your question, Captain, that is what caused the massive pump in the market. Right. Was that, okay, XRP is not a security. And if XRP is not a security, then you have a really, really hard time arguing that anything else is. Right. And the, and it certainly helped matters that this was determined in New York's court. Oh, was so, it? Yeah. So the, the most restrictive in terms of cryptocurrency uh, 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 jurisdiction yep. had determined that this, which was, I mean, if, if you were going to make a case for anything being a security, this was probably your best bet. Right. And even in this case, the judge had said that this was not a security. So that, that was really the, the Under news that everything Under certain circumstances. Mm. But well, it was a security, they said, when they sold it to institutional yeah. investors. I, mm. all, this, all this gyration with the SEC and these court cases uh, really just makes the solution clear, and that is that all cryptocurrencies and all cryptocurrency, we'll call them businesses or utilities, if you will, uh, need to be decentralized autonomous organizations. Well, and yeah, that's true. Remember, because they can. Like, here is a brand new technology that has the ability to exist without permission, and we have a whole bunch of human beings running around yeah. going, "Please, master, please mm. tell me how to do my thing so I can do it without you persecuting." No, don't do that. Employ the crypto uh, enthusiasts, the old uh, uh, what are the cypherpunks, the developers, mm-hmm. ah, the yeah. cypherpunks, the developers. Employ them to build a DAO to accomplish the task you want to attack. But, and and take a page out of Satoshi's book and put it out in the wilderness. But that's the thing. Ripple's never going to do that because right. they're in search of major then profits. Let it die. I agree. Let it die. But they're in search of major profits, so they need to have a centralized organization so they can have their CEO put a suit on and go and meet these bankers and try to sell them on their product. So Ripple's never going to go in a decentralized way. And I agree right. with you. If they yeah. if they go down for it, then that's fine. Um well, but that's in uh, that is of course the opposite to desire of uh, all of the financial people in the U.S. So what they want, they want that permission to come from the government so that they can start investing in this mm-hmm. without being concerned that they're going to go to jail for it. Yeah. Now, a, a huge thing that that this all seems to turn on, though, is the so this okay. Well, we've got this Howey test for what is and isn't a security, but the thing that hasn't been dealt with directly and absolutely needs to is the question of uh, very simply if this is sufficiently decentralized then can we say that it has this third party that's causing all of the the increase in value now if we don't add that if we don't add the fact that like look you have to be able to point somewhere to this is the entity that is increasing the value of the thing. If we don't have that change to the Howey test, then the SEC will be able to run absolutely everything that exists. Mm-hmm. And here's why. So, like, a bottle of wine, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, if I hold on to this bottle of wine and turn it, you know, then it will increase in value. Good chance of it, yeah. And, I mean, it won't exactly be my efforts that made this bottle of wine increase Mm -hmm. in its value. Well, 
well, isn't that a security? All of a sudden, my bottle of wine is a security? They could make the argument. Right. Whereas, if you go, now, wait a second, that's not increasing because there's some wine bottle corporation that is uh, increasing the hype or, or offering something in exchange for these bottles of wine. What it is, is just the global market is desiring that more as time passes. So since it's a de- a fully decentralized increase in the value, then we can't actually regulate that. No, it's just that they don't want to. It's just that they want to go after cryptocurrency and they don't want to go after, say, wine bottles or other collectibles like uh, mm-hmm. Ty's uh, Beanie Babies or Magic Cards or whatever. Yeah. In fact, I've heard somebody Tulips. say... The reason why the company uh, Wizards of the Coast, which is owned by Hasbro, which does the magic cards, they won't ever make any kind of statement about well, these could go up in value if you get this right. new set over time. They might go up in value because then they're you know they're worried. Even though they regularly do that, they do they really? Yeah. So like uh, I thought they didn't. No, no. I bought I I bought uh, boxes like full sets of yeah. Magic Gathering cards. Uh, you know, they come out, they usually have some sort of a deal. You get them for like 99 bucks or yeah. something. And then like, if they're a good set or they're popular, uh, they will go up in value in a year or two. Right. So I was able to buy, you know, I have five or six boxes. But they said that? No, no, they never said it. That's what I'm saying. But I'm just saying. Even though they regularly no, do go up in value. Regularly oh, do go up okay, in value. Okay. Not yeah, they was, regularly say right, it. Right, They right, don't yeah. say it right. for right. a reason right. because right. they don't want to be targeted as selling right. securities, even though we're just talking about trading cards. Uh, there's more coming up on this Ripple case. What does it actually mean? Is this quote-unquote good news actually going to help the other companies that are embroiled in these suits? More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. We are here in the second hour, and we have time for you if you want to join the show. The number is 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in on the Ripple court ruling by a federal district court uh, that came out this week that a lot of people are cheering on. They're saying, yeah, this is good for the cryptocurrency industry. Now it's okay for uh, Coinbase to sell Ripple. Coinbase has come back and they've relisted Ripple. Ripple's one of the top 10, uh, maybe top five or so. That's probably in the top 10 this cryptos. Just, this is just like slaves appealing to their master. It is. You know, like, it, it, it oh, is. oh, the master allowed us to have a dessert at dinner time this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, praise you, master. Praise you. Well, and, and the reason for it is because that's where all of the money is. You can't get any money in any of this stuff unless, like, any huge, huge quantities of money unless you appeal to something that is that is allowed for the yeah. slaves. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of institutional and individual money that wants to uh, transduce into crypto because they know that it is a technology that is far superior to any other thing that has ever been invented on planet earth that Mm -hmm. i'm aware of as far as anything that can do what it can do uh and so there's all this money that wants to go into it but they're all afraid they're afraid of what the masters will say all the all the the real goons with the big guns i'm talking about the nuclear weapons the real assault weapons Right. Yeah, Ripple isn't going to go to prison. The executives aren't facing criminal counts in this particular case. 
But they are facing financial ruin, and most people don't want to lose their business. So they tiptoe around, and they ask government for permission. And, of course, the the SEC, as we've learned, doesn't know how to give permission for cryptocurrency because their laws don't actually mention cryptocurrency. They were written in the 1930s. I mean, these are ancient laws, ultimately. It's just time for everybody to start standing up for themselves, including these cryptocurrency companies. That'd be nice. Uh, unfortunately, it's easy to say that when you don't have a billion dollars on the line, right? I mean, it's just as easy to say it. Well, <laughs> except that you lose money by standing up for your rights against the people who are printing money. Right. I mean, look what's happening to the Crypto Six. Our co-host, Aria, is oh, in prison yeah. right now for uh, an 18-month sentence on a what is essentially a paperwork violation. Yeah. But they didn't come after her with just a fine. They right. wanted to put her in prison right. to send a message which is what the judge said in yep. her, at her sentencing. The harm is the harm. He, he wanted to send Whatever a message to everybody that you better have your government permission slip, even though there is no permission slip for selling cryptocurrency. Right. They're just trying to shoehorn everybody into this regulation that was written decades before cryptocurrency was ever created. But the big question here, I think, in this Ripple case is, will this ruling that's being celebrated right now in a lot of these uh, cryptocurrency circles... Uh, will this ruling actually help these other people? Well, well, you could reference it in your case. Because remember, the SEC has opened a bunch of other cases against a bunch of other cryptocurrency oh, yeah. companies. And they're not stop, They're not done. Yeah, they're not going to no, just no. pull out. They're, they're not going to say, oh, well, shoot. Oh, shucks. We didn't get a total victory in that I case. I was trying to take over the world, but, you know, someone told me not to. Yeah, we're just going to go home. We're folding it in. Cancel the cases. No, no, no. They're going to go forward with this because, as far as they're concerned, this is just one little district court judge in New York. It's a big mm-hmm. state, no doubt. Big, you know, district. But it's just one district court judge ruling. They can appeal this ruling, and they likely will because, again, they have no limit to their, their funds. Further... They can go to these other district courts in California and Florida or wherever it is these other cases are filed, and they can roll the dice with those district court judges and say, maybe these other judges will rule completely in our favor. Either way, whoever it is they're going after right now, Coinbase, Binance, etc., they all got a lawyer up, and they got to pay big monies into their attorneys just to fight these cases for however many years it's going to take, rather than focus on building their business, improving their customer service. But the point still stands. The only way that we're going to get through this is for people to begin to stand up for themselves oh, yeah. and their businesses. That's like, the larger like, point, like, yes. Like, the outcome is, yeah, I get that, like, people will be like, oh, gosh, they have all the guns and they're going to come after me and threaten yep. me to put me in jail, like, and so they're going to cower. I get that that's what's going to happen now, but that doesn't stop the tyranny. That doesn't stop nope. the persecution. That doesn't stop the government from coming after anybody and everybody who has ever dealt in cryptocurrency for some manufactured reason because they want to control you. And until people start standing up for themselves and their neighbors and their neighbors' businesses and each other, then the tyranny is just going to continue and the government will always win. It says here in this story from Reuters, the SEC has brought more than 100 enforcement crypto actions claiming various tokens are securities. And that's just the SEC. That doesn't include the FBI. That doesn't include uh, any of the other alphabet agencies that are prosecuting cryptocurrency people and or organizations. one of them. Right. So I, I'm uh, sort of skimming my way through the actual court release, like the the court document. The that, yes. Mm, can and, we, and can there, we do the there seems test to be first? just how many pages uh, is it? 
Uh, I doesn't tell me, but okay. like the, there's just this one sentence that I think, uh, or rather two sentences that I think really sort of wraps mm-hmm. up the entire, uh, the, the whole sentiment here. Uh, here, the defendants argue that XRP does not have the character uh, in commerce of a security and is akin to other ordinary assets like gold, silver, and sugar. Fair but, argument. Right. This argument misses the point because ordinary assets like gold, silver, and sugar may be sold as investment contracts depending on the circumstances of those sales. Mm. So I think that's really the the crux of this whole thing. Is So what they've determined is XRP isn't a security, mm-hmm. but if you wrap that into a contract, then it can be sold as a security in the same way that gold is not a security because it doesn't have that like counterparty risk or anything mm-hmm. like that, but you can wrap that into a security. Okay, but what is a security? You have what? a test about this, right? This is a court test. Yeah, the, the, the Howie, Howie test, test that we've mentioned a couple of times in the previous segment here tonight. Uh, it consists of four elements often referred to as prongs. According to the test, a transaction is a security if it is, one, an investment of money, two, in a common enterprise, Three, with the expectation of profit, or four, to be derived from the efforts of others. Yeah. Or four? Uh, it says or four. Okay. And so it's a... But it has to meet... <clears throat> one, two, three, or four, I guess. So it has to meet one, two, and then either three or four? It, that's what it sounds okay. like, according to this definition from uh, mm-hmm. Cointelegraph.com. And this, as I understand it, was created by the courts. The Howey test was not... Uh, I, something created by I would the look, legislature. I would look yeah, I'm pretty to sure it requires like all, all of those elements. I, I'm pretty sure it uh, requires all of those elements. Sorry, what was the question? Some guy named Howie invented this, but was it a well, government no, it invention? Uh, it, it wasn't uh, Howie that invented it. It was the, uh, Howie was the... Uh, Supreme Court case. Right. According uh, to Investopedia. Right, exactly. Howie was the, was the case. So who invented the test? The courts. The courts. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the courts, said uh, they, they took a look at this case and they said, okay, here's how we have come to the uh, certainty that this was a security. It's sounds because like, it met these requirements. Sounds like more legislation from the bench. Yeah. And, and this goes and all the way can, back and, to 1946, and, by right. the way. And you can divide that into three or into four. So you, so an investment of money in a common enterprise are uh, are usually considered to be two different points mm-hmm. and then the other one is either with the expectation of profit to be derived from the efforts of others or you divide that into the expectation of profit and the uh, derived from the efforts of others mm-hmm. so there you go so for example uh so gold definitely not a security in and of itself but if i make a contract with you where i'm doing something with that gold for you so that you will gain a profit from it that's a security mm, gold is not an enterprise though well they they describe this as a very right. wide I, thing right but like if for example uh, i say okay my i will trade this gold for you he's the you. enterprise right then uh, i'm the okay. enterprise okay. that you are investing money in so yeah. even though the gold itself isn't a security, I can use that. It's in- the contract that's the security. Exactly. 
Yeah, and that's exactly the difference. And that's what the what the judges ruled on this is like, well, because you used XRP in this particular way, you turned it from a like a, a commodity basically into a security in the same way that you can turn gold from a commodity into a security by putting it into this contract where you fulfill the Howie test. And, and where does government derive the right to prosecute people? For transacting voluntarily. They don't have a right. Our complacency. They derive it from their willingness to use violence. That's where it comes from. Well, and because people want them to, fundamentally. Because here's the, here's the thing. Like, I can't I go, I out, I mean, I can't go, well, yeah, I can't go I out there and be, just be violent and collect taxes. It's too expensive. It's way too expensive. If people even slow down their efforts to help me, it's going to be very expensive for me to just use force to acquire uh, value. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I have those people at least not getting in my way, frequently helping me out and considering me especially honorable for extracting wealth violently, well, then it is really cheap for me to extract that wealth. So really, the the biggest part of this is very fundamental. People believe that the government is good and that every action that the government does is good. And their failure to perform these actions, no matter how violent, is actually a bad thing. And until people change that perspective, then it will continue to be cheap enough for them to keep violently stealing from people. But... When people change their mind and they apply the same standard of moral and ethical behavior to the government that they would apply to a corporation or their neighbor or their neighbor, then all of a sudden that that arithmetic shifts dramatically and it simply isn't profitable to extract through violence in comparison to, you know, trading actual value in good and service. Speaking of those people, this case is going to continue to a jury, by the way. According to the Reuters story, the SEC won a partial victory as the judge found the company's $728.9 million in XRP sales to hedge funds and other so-called sophisticated buyers amounted to the unregistered sales of securities. So that's the alleged violation. She ruled that Ripple's marketing aimed at institutional investors made the cl- made it clear that the company was, quote, pitching a speculative value proposition for XRP uh, that depended on company efforts to develop the blockchain infrastructure behind the digital asset. She says a jury must decide whether the people at XRP aided the company's violation of the law and that the defendants cannot argue at trial that they lacked so-called fair notice that XRP was a, it says a cryptocurrency, I think they mean a security here. Quote, the law does not require the SEC to warn all potential violators on an individual or industry level. So she's saying, you guys are going to trial on this particular thing that I found you liable for, and do, the jury will decide the uh, liability. Do you suppose that they will exclude, ban, bar from the jury people with any financial background? Yes. People with any cryptocurrency background. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, So how does one expect to get a fair trial without people knowledgeable on the subject? You don't. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, What else? Okay, so they're going to keep doing this. And the other 
cases out there I don't think are really going to be helped by this because there hasn't been any Supreme Court decision. There hasn't even Mm. been an appeals court decision. And the SEC is going to want that, especially in this case. So I think it's likely that you will see them appeal this decision that the the portion of the decision that was against them again they did get a, a favorable decision but they also got an unfavorable so it's a mixed bag mm-hmm. for them they're likely going to appeal that and see what the see what the appeals court has to say about it i don't know honestly i don't know if they're even going to appeal that at this point because it is very difficult in in that world to go against your fellow judges. You basically have to explain yourself and say why that judge was mistaken on this ruling mm-hmm. and you kind of you put your you stick your own neck out to disagree with other judges. So if you say they were wrong for the following reasons and then other judges say those reasons don't make any sense, it can be a career ender for you. For the appeals court? Yeah, for, for the, the judge. judge. The original judge. Uh, no, for so if the original judge, uh, such as in this case, in the, the, the appeals court is going to be at least three judges, right? So in, in the appeals court, if those judges decide, okay, you were wrong, and here's why you were mm-hmm. wrong, and then that ends up going to say the Supreme Court, yeah, and the Supreme Court finds in favor of the first judge and not that in looks favor bad of for the, the appeals court, incredibly sure. bad for those judges. It can be a, devastating for their careers mm-hmm. to say, why oh, did the no. SEC care about that? Why would the SEC yeah. care about this? Because they don't want to risk it. I mean, well, I don't know if it's a risk so, for them. So if the SEC appeals and they lose, then it's basically set in stone at that point. Yeah, and it that, looks bad. And, and that says here is a hard limit mm-hmm. on what the SEC's powers are. And I don't think the SEC is willing to risk setting a hard limit mm. on their powers. Yeah, it could be. Unless, of course, they are really certain that they will win the appeal. It's hard to know that, in advance. That would be my that would be my tactical estimate of the situation. Hmm. Well, time will tell in this particular case, and it's ugly. Yeah. Now, I still think that this is by far the best news that we have heard in terms of cryptocurrency ever, uh, as far as any of this stuff, any of the the court decisions or. Uh, how it's being prosecuted or any of this it's just been bad news bad news Mm -hmm. that's true and this has been i think the first break that we have ever gotten and i think that this will uh lend itself to a lot more investment in cryptocurrency now that people know like okay well i just have to be careful that the way i get it wasn't a security Mm -hmm. but the cryptocurrency itself is definitely not a security well Definitely isn't uh, isn't the word I would use to describe a federal uh, one, district court decision. Yeah. One district court decision. So we, you know, we'll see what ends up happening I, yeah, I in these think other the, cases. I think people have kicked off the party a little bit early. Too soon. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I agree. But hey, you know, let them go ahead and uh, have their party. I mean, I, uh, sure, celebrate the the little win in the in the war. You know, but yeah, that's all it is. That's, that's all it is. Yeah, that's all it is. It's like, oh, you know, you yeah. you you took this one tiny island, but like yeah. you got the whole rest of the earth to. To figure out yet, right? And and I think they it's only also blew one of your to, legs off. That's right. all. <laughs> well, and I think it's also important for for this to be framed in the proper way. Like, what exactly is this all about? Like the whole thing. Here's what this is all about. This is all about making sure that the only people who get rich 
are their chosen people. Yes. Qualified investors, verified, lawyered up, extremely rich people. Mm -hmm. Those are the only people who are allowed to become wealthy. And that's what all of this has to do with, is making sure that the little guy can never have a chance of getting wealthy. Because even if the exchange, uh, as they did indeed uh, when this news had broken, says, okay, we are not going to trade any more of this token. We're done trading this token for the day. Um, probably because they ran out of, of the actual token and can't actually sell it to you anymore. Even if an exchange does that, you can still trade for this token. There can still be someone who says, you know what, I think this is as high it's gonna, as mm-hmm. it's going to go. I'm ready to sell. And someone else who's like, you know, I think this has still got some room to grow. I'm going to buy it. Sure. So the, the fact that you have these valuable things that the sale of which cannot be stopped is why this is absolutely so terrifying to the government, to the SEC, to the court system even, and most especially to the people on Wall Street. They should be. They should be terrified. They should be shaking in their boots. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, The longer this goes on, the more government is going to act like a fish out of water. It's just going to start flapping away. People are going to get hurt before it's all said and done because government doesn't like it. When they mm-hmm. don't get their way, and they only have one tool, and that's coercion violence. and violence, they're going to hurt people before this is over. Mm-hmm. So when you have something where, like like with the GameStop, oh, well, Robin Hood says you can't can't buy any more GameStop. Yeah, they halted the trading on right. it. Right. Oh, and they, the bank stocks, too, the yep. recently. Oh, yeah. they've, they've halted the trading. Nope, it's too volatile. Yep, it's going you down too li- fast. Yeah. You little guys are making way too much money on this. <laughs> it's so hilarious that that's like their new thing. Back in the day, the market was just allowed to open and close at, at its prescribed times mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, oh, 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 no, we're going to close early today, guys. It looks like things are going yeah. to crap. It's like, it's a banker's holiday. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, it sounds like today listenership is down on the radio. I think we'll just stop the show right here, Ian. <laughs> 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 yeah, but that's simply not possible for cryptocurrency. Now, no, it's twenty four seven. You can you can turn it down a lot. You know the the uh, if all of the exchanges are like, you know what, we're not going to let you on board to that currency mm-hmm. today. That's well, a problem. It's going to turn it down, but it can't turn it off. That's right. Whereas something like oh GameStop stock, uh, well, we're not going to let you trade that, and that's all she wrote. You cannot go, oh, well, I will privately trade that. No, 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 no. no. It isn't actually yours. You just have an agreement with someone who has actual access to it. What's going to be fun is when uh, cryptocurrency, the blockchain technologies, these organizations, whether they're decentralized or not, when they find a way to work around the stock exchange, the stock market, Mm -hmm. right, to where they can operate off hours, whereas the stock exchanges can't or Mm -hmm. don't because of their own self-imposed rules, uh, that's going to be fun. Because when the stock market and the stock exchange become secondary to blockchain technology, blockchain organizations, right? Mm -hmm. There will be an inversion. We've seen it happen with the internet, right? We saw uh, the internet used to run over copper wire, right? right? You used Mm -hmm. to have to have a modem that made a horrible sound (laughs) when you plugged it in. And and now... uh, that's all been inverted. All the copper's been replaced with fiber, right? So now it's all digital. And now telephones, which used to run over copper exclusively, have been digitized and absorbed 
by the digital market. Right. right? So we'll see that same inversion with the financial mm. markets. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. Well, and, yeah. and I just, based on what you were saying there, it made me curious. What is the stock market worth in the United States? According to a search, it says the New York Stock Exchange, being the largest stock exchange in the world, has a equity market capitalization of nearly 24.3 trillion US dollars as of May of 2023. The current crypto market is I believe over 1 trillion dollars in value. I'll give you a quick check on that from Sounds like a 25 gecko. 1.2. Okay. Uh 1.25 trillion. So, so a nice round layman's numbers, it's a 25 to 1. Yeah, so it's not within striking distance quite yet, but it's in the I would say it's in the ballpark, right? You know, mm-hmm. like it's in the trillions at yep. this point. So just got to get up to 25 trillion and then it's going to be on par. Yeah. And I think it's what, possible. And I think what really, really terrifies both the the very rich Wall Street people and the regulators. But I repeat myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what truly terrifies these people the most is that we will go around their entire stock market system. Right. Mm-hmm. So that just in the same way as you as you have say, OK, well, I'm going to have a tether to the dollar. So if you want to at any time, I have enough and I can show you that I have enough that I can turn these into dollars for you. That you might just do the same thing with, say, GameStop stocks. They and here's have my that. GameStop stock pegged cryptocurrency. They have those. So that, oh, well, the market's closed or we're not trading yeah. that on Robinhood anymore. But, but here I am on a decentralized exchange with a GameStop stock pegged cryptocurrency. At three in the morning on a Sunday. three in the morning mm-hmm. on a Sunday mm-hmm. in Taiwan. And you can still get it in New York. Right. I don't know what blockchain it is, but I have heard that those things exist. They have these things that are somehow pegged. I don't know how it works. I, I've not taken the time to look into it, but they have sort of quote unquote stock cryptos yeah. that are associated mm-hmm. with Tesla and Apple Computer and you know you name it. I don't I don't know if it's all of the stocks. It might just be the the biggies sure. or something like that. And I have no idea how the price oracles work with that, but that's already here, right? And that's what scares them mm-hmm. because then you have a situation where like. So many hedge funds have shorted whichever stock it is. Like they've all they've all made these enormous bets that this will go down in value. And here you are pumping up the value. So all their crooked friends that can regulate these things say, oh, well, we can't trade this anymore. But there you are still trading it, mm-hmm. destroying their shorts. And you might end up crashing things like Black Gar- uh, BlackRock Black Rock. and Vanguard and State Street and all of these horribly corrupt organizations that have been keeping us down in the first place. That scares them. The one thing that I... Uh, th- the difference that people need to know is that cryptocurrency, the blockchain technology, is based in math. It's not based in human belief. It's not based in fear. You can't be manipulated by propaganda. Only humans can be manipulated by propaganda. Cryptocurrency cannot. we got more coming up here. Hour number three is on the way. You can join the show and bring up whatever's on your mind. The number is 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and we're kicking off the third hour here on this live Saturday edition. 
coming up later tonight at 10.30 Eastern Time on our video streaming platforms like Odyssey, which you can watch over at watch.freetalklive.com, or you can listen through that method. Just don't watch it, and you'll be listening uh, over at watch.freetalklive.com. The, uh, the gentleman here in the studio, Captain Kickass and Peakless Mountaineer, will be hosting Beer yes. Talk Live. And Beer Talk Live is brought to you by Captain Kickass and his new EP. Oh, I've sponsored the show, right? Yes, you have. Forgot about that. Eleutheromania, your new EP. The songs came out officially on the 4th of July on Independence Day. On Independence Day, yes. Yep. And uh, there are three tracks. They are available online at CaptainKickass.com. And they rock. Thanks, uh, man. I, I really enjoyed listening to them. What's and your favorite track? Uh, I would have to say it is the Contaminated Mindware. Yeah. It's my favorite track. Uh, but they're all good. They're all very uh, very heavy metal tracks. So if you like some metal, you'll really love uh, the new Eleutheromania EP. And if you've heard the, the tracks, you can obviously go and purchase them because, well, you didn't do this for free. It costs money to uh, produce things like this. And a lot of time. And, and they're well out of time. And uh, and you've been, you know, so you're selling these for some amount of money at they're Captain 20 bucks. Yeah. These, uh, so I printed 30. Uh, I was talking about the digital downloads. Oh, the digital downloads. Uh, sorry. I hadn't even mentioned the physical. The, the digital media. downloads vary in price depending on where you get it from. So if you're on like iTunes or Spotify mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, they're, I don't know, dollar, dollar mm-hmm. 29, something like that per song so maybe it's three four bucks for the whole ep i was selling the advanced copies for fifteen dollars on my website if yeah. you wanted to pre-order and then i printed up these physical pieces of merchandise these usb cards right i printed 30 of them for fork fest pork fest and branded them specifically for that i sold out they were popular wow like, that's nice like i was going to do two different uh, we'll call it sessions performances if you will yeah and i only did one because i sold out that's fest. cool because you never know what to expect. Yeah, you know. Now I didn't sell out of T-shirts or anything like that, so you know, take that for for what it's worth. But uh, they were popular enough that I went ahead and I printed uh, a limited edition run of a uh, hundred more USB cards. Uh, you can get there through CaptainKickass.com. There's a player at the top of the page. If you click on the word "buy" in the player, it'll take you out to my Bandcamp page. Mm-hmm. where you can see photos of this thing. I'm going to put up a video uh, that sort of gives you a demo on how these work, how to open it, how to, you know, what it contains, that kind of a thing. The video is actually already done. I just, I've got it hosted somewhere. I just ran out of time today to put it all together. Uh, but they are, there's only 95 left. <laughs> People have found out about them. Like, dude, can I get one? And so there's only 95 left. So if you want to get one, it's 20 bucks. It contains all three songs. Uh, right I see some the, bonuses. On there is some bonus features on there. There's a a song called Dichotomy that I did a remix on in I don't even remember what year. It was like a decade ago or more. I put that song on there. I put something called Gray Day on there, which was myself and uh, my friend Michael Gordon who was playing drums mm-hmm. over at my apartment one day, uh, and we just sort of recorded this thing just to have something to jam out. So I put them on the on the bonus features, and Sweet. I got something else called the Fiera Bender on there. It's me and my friend Steven jamming out to something. 
Uh, so there's some bonus features on there. Lyrics are on there. All three music videos are on there. Nice. Those uh, aren't even out yet, are and, they? And, no. There's been a delay with the distributor in releasing the videos officially. Oh, really? So the only You can't place... just go and put them online? You have to I, do... The distributor no, has to I, do it? I can. Okay. I, I just haven't done so yet because, well, I shouldn't have to. I have a distributor for this. Sure, things, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that being said, what I, what I instead of just going ahead and putting it online, I put it on these USB cards. Uh-huh. So right now the videos are exclusive to these USB cards. So if you want to see the Sweet. music videos, go buy one of these USB cards. It's only twenty bucks. You've yeah. you've spent you know more money for things worth far less than this. Does that include shipping? Uh, yes, nice. yes, yeah. Unless you're in like Canada or outside of the U.S. Got it. Very nice. Check them out at CaptainKickass.com. All right, let's go to your calls here. Uh, Charles is calling us from Alamogordo, New Mexico, listening to KENN. Go ahead, Charles. Hello, guys. It's been a while since I talked to you. Welcome, sir. You're hey, on uh, I, was call- I was calling because of what you were talking about earlier about the hedge funds and people who are responsible for all that. And uh, I realized that not so long ago, my trailer park where I live at, yeah, I live in a trailer, but it's a nice trailer park. And it exchanged hands recently, about nine, ten months ago. Okay. And um, I-, I got tired every month. Uh, someone would come over here claiming to be a manager, give me uh, a letter of to evict because I didn't pay my rent. I've got receipts. I got receipts. I got all the proof, everything, okay? Mm-hmm. And I got tired of it on the eighth, eighth time. <laughs> I got really upset and she was acting wild. The manager was. She was running up on my steps at my trailer. I own the house, but I'm renting the land. Sure, that's and pretty uh, common with a trailer park, right? You own I the trailer, it. but you got to pay the yeah. park rent. Yes, yes, sir. And I filed a complaint because for trespassing, violating my rights, impeding on, on my rights to just keep back and relax, right? Mm-hmm. Eight, for eight times, and I got receipts to prove all this, and they've never ever evicted me or did it officially, as far as giving me the the uh, uh, the, the paperwork. Okay, yeah. and they, I mean, they're trespassing, and they don't even understand what the law is because they are. They have to send me a request or get in touch with me to make have an interview so they can come over, make an appointment. They cannot just come to you and say, "Hey, you owe us money." And not only that, they did that in front of a client of mine who's going to invest five thousand dollars in a in a laundry mat, and I lost my client because mm. of that because he's hearing I can't pay my bills. Yeah, that doesn't anyway, look good. Okay, check this out. In New Mexico, you got twenty days to answer the uh, complaint from the plaintiff from to defend it to the courts. Right? You got twenty days. Okay. So they didn't answer. They didn't say nothing. They, uh, acquiescence is is uh, guilt, and I um, mm. so I went ahead and filed for default. Judgment for default. Yep. Okay, 10 days surpassed. And uh, seven days later, then I get a letter. And hold on, just before you go on, Charles, you're suing them based on what? For trespassing. Isn't that a criminal criminal charge? Yeah, it should be. It sure is. It's a misdemeanor. High misdemeanor. Can you bring... No, no, no. You can't bring criminal charges against anyone. Uh, Not in this country. That's what I thought. So how are you... But uh, trespass is, uh, since since it's basically a form of theft, uh, they have damaged you, so you can sue them for the the money lost there. So so this is a civil court case? Yes, sir. It's a a magistrate, small claims. I see. Okay. So anyways, all time has passed, and then this letter comes in to me and the courts dated at a certain date. And they had they didn't, they didn't answer the complaint. They didn't, they didn't answer the uh, uh, the judgment for default. And then they waited six seven days thereafter. Then we got something to the courts. I mean, mm-hmm. the law already says it's up to the the lawyer, the judge, to make his uh, decision what he wants to do, how he's going to proceed with them paying you. Yeah. If I'm correct, I'm asking for your help too on this. But the thing, the big surprise is I found out who the landlord is. 
And um, his name is uh, Jarkissi, George Jarkissi. He was involved. Uh, he was uh, recently, he was charged and he was recently sentenced on May 19th. Um, some of 2004, 24 million under management. SEC eventually ruled that both Mr. Darkesey and funds advisor Patriot 28 misrepresented who served as a prime broker and auditor the funds parameters, parameters, sorry, perimeters, so safeguard and the funds assets in order to increase the fees they charged. A You're saying he was involved in an SEC lawsuit that he, they sued him? No, he, they they charged him. They charged him. The money. Yes. Okay. It, it okay. Was, so this guy who was in a hedge fund has now gone and bought himself a trailer park. Check this out. He was the not only the hedge fund manager, he mm-hmm. was a brokerage CEO. And they charged him with fraud. So he got um, found he was found responsible or guilty of that fraud? I'll read it to you by quote. I mean, here I go. Washington, D.C., March 22nd, 2013, Securities and Exchange Commission today announced charges against the Houston-based hedge fund manager and his firm accused of defrauding investors to hedge funds and steering bloated fees to a brokerage from CEO who also was charged in the SEC. So is this crim- this was a criminal charge? This was, yeah, this was, this is the guy I have to take to court, and he sent it, okay, okay watch, let me Just to me. clarify uh, something in your story, Charles. You said that the manager of the trailer park was coming around trying to collect from you when you'd already paid them. Was this happening before this new guy bought the park, or did that start happening Absolutely. afterwards? Absolutely not. Never ever happened before in my life. I see. And, uh, I was Damn. very, I was very, I was very passive about it, you know, mm-hmm. until it got nasty, and I got tired of being infringed upon. And um, I'm a common law man. I believe in the Constitution. And everything and every word is so poetic, it touches my heart. So what happened that, in, the, in your case? You said that uh, they didn't respond within the, the official 20-day time window, but then later yeah, on they sent some sort of response? Yeah, after, every, all, after the time allotted by the courts and, and the statutes in New Mexico, they, they had passed, okay? They, in other words, they, they, they defaulted. Plain and simple, that's what the meaning means. Mm-hmm. And, but they uh, did uh, they did send something. So what is the judge doing? Is okay. he this is, what's this the, is the st- papers I got that they filed with the courts six, seven days afterwards, or mm-hmm. after the allotted time. If motion to dismiss for lack of personal jurisdiction, which I laugh at, request for a hearing, and uh, motion to dismiss for lack of personal mm-hmm. jurisdiction. But they're late you know, and you'd already filed for yeah. a motion for a default. Judge And you know what you know what just puts the icing on the whole pie? Let me tell you guys. Yesterday, an old man, I guess a new manager because they fired the other lady, uh, suspected, suspected of me, mm-hmm. and uh, he comes to me and he has an envelope in his hand. He goes, I'm sorry, Charles. He goes, he goes like, they just asked me to give this to you. I grabbed it. Okay, he's an old man. Okay, I've never seen him before in my life. It's a new manager, come to find out. And it says there it's from the attorney of this guy. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. The envelope, the, the envelope has her business. Let's sticker on there, which says uh, Corvassier Law, LLC. And what do they want? Huh? What do they want? What's the, what's the, the... Guess what they gave me? Another, another bill saying I owe them money still. Wow. <laughs> they had the nerve to do it again. Wow. This sucks, man. I mean, it really, it's got to be frustrating having been in a well, place where 
everything was cool, that you were paying yeah. the rent, the park rent, they were leaving you alone, and then all of a sudden, some new I guy. I was in a head-on collision just three months ago also. Damn, my, damn. My Cadillac, $100,000 truck. It wasn't even my fault. And the poor lady, you know, God bless her. So you're still waiting for the judge to rule in, in uh, on your motion at this point. That's that's in play right now. Well, well, well. He was, uh, hearing had to be set thereafter. After I filed, you know, motion motion for judgment for default. So I was waiting, and then I was waiting, and then nothing. And he, they said, "Don't worry, it's on, it's on the judge's desk, and he's going to rule on it. Whatever, you know, mm-hmm. we'll have a hearing, I guess." And uh, I go back and check the week following up on everything, and the lady says, oh, "We got something in, in here recently." And that's when I just picked this up. Okay. So this is in play right now. If you want, uh, feel free to give us a call back with an update on this. It's an interesting case. And uh, thank you for the call tonight, Charles. And I wish you the best on this one. That that sucks, man. Having it, you know, being in a park, everything's cool. Then some new a-hole buys the park from whoever it was that owned it before. You really got along with the previous owner. And now all of a sudden he's trying to claim you didn't pay the park rent, even though you did pay the park rent. And now, before you know it, you're you know you're in court. And well, there's a there's a thing that can happen sometimes, and I only know this because I've been through it. I was renting an apartment in a uh, a four unit building, mm-hmm. and the landlord uh, it wasn't there wasn't a sign out in the yard, but it was for sale. He was in the process of selling it, and so within that, for some reason, there's a like a a business reason. Uh, the current owner. Uh, because the the property was under contract, he uh, stopped paying the mortgage on it. Hmm. And so that resulted in every one of the tenants getting a little notice on the door from somebody official mm-hmm. that said, uh, hey, you know, this property's being foreclosed upon, Oof. you know, this kind of a thing. And it made you think that, you know, you better find a new place to live. Uh, to this landlord's credit, the, the selling landlord, uh, he came to all of us before any of this actually happened and said, look, uh, I'm pretty seasoned at doing this stuff. This is kind of how I... How I you know make my living, how I do my business, I mm-hmm. buy properties and then I resell them. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I fix them up. Sometimes it's just a market thing. But he's he's like, so what's probably going to happen is you are going to receive a notice of some kind. There might be some people coming around who are you know from government or whatever saying all sorts of things that might scare you. Don't worry about it. It's mm-hmm. all dialed in. I have plenty of experience doing this. It's just part of the transaction uh, of the real estate business. Okay. Now, this is in Washington state. So, and this is a guy who is obviously on top of his game, or at least when it comes to these transactions. So we did continue to pay the selling landlord, our rent, right. that rent money never made it to the mortgage company until, Not your problem. until the closing. Mm-hmm. Right. So I could see, you know, maybe somebody who's not savvy in real estate participating in one of these things, not really knowing full well what the deal was, you know, getting confused and thinking, oh, I need to go and collect the rent from these people, even though oh, it had already been hmm. collected from the previous landlord and all that money passed through via the sale. Hmm. Because the sale can't go through unless all of the rent is collected from the tenants in a, oh, in a commercial okay. real estate transaction. Huh. So I could see there being some sort of I don't know what applies in New Mexico. So this guy's situation yeah. might be completely different from what I'm describing. But I'm just saying that there can be some like under. It could just be this guy's a scumbag. I mean, this it this could new be. owner. Yeah, I it mean, could be that he's just a scumbag looking to you know prey on people who don't know any better. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Well, I wish uh, Charles the best. Let's go to another call in New Mexico. Sarah is on the line in Albuquerque. Go ahead, Sarah. Yes, so the city had decided to 
um, wrapped the city buses, three of them, with uh, Pueblo Native art. And mostly it's to impress uh, the tourists that come and visit. You look think that's going to work? Look at how beautiful our buses are. <laughs> Aren't well, they I'll, southwestern? I'll Just right, don't look I'll inside. They, well, the thing is that before the city sold out to um, advertisement uh, business, yeah. uh, and we still have those. And mm. I just thought, I just kind of went along and it's one more stupid thing that the city that does. And What's, you can't whoa, really whoa, do hold on. Which one's it. the stupid thing? The advertising? Right, right. You, I, yeah. That's well, that see, you have to like, understand in business, and I know you don't know anything about this because you've never worked uh, a day in your adult life, but in business, which... To be fair, the city isn't really a business. Uh, I mean, their taxpayer money is propping up the the bus. Yeah, I was going to say, like, for if sure. anything, they're double dipping because tax money is paying for. Yeah. Well, the buses are at least right. the initial investment, and but then in theory, they're making money on top of it by charging advertising. Well, we don't know if they're making money. That's the thing. And and yeah, but well, in, in theory, really they should be able money. to recoup their costs of running this bus program by doing things like selling advertising, so the taxpayers don't have to pay for it. So there's nothing inherently wrong with the idea of selling advertising. Of course, they are the government, and they 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 just suck at everything that they do. So I'm sure that they're still in the in the uh, the red even after getting whatever ad revenue in. And so, but you don't like it, Sarah, because of what? It's an eyesore. You don't like looking at it. Well, of course. I mean, I've seen these um, like the auto dealer commercials with their ugly face on TV. It's bad enough that I got to see them on TV. Now you got a giant mug of this guy's face on on the buses, the whole side of the bus. I'm like, I'm I'm just like, I mean, are they gonna just give it up? Come no, on but, down uh, to Crazy Larry's Used Bus Emporium. <laughs> well, maybe they that's are giving good. up. Maybe that's why they're putting the the Indian artwork on the buses. Maybe they've realized that it's just not even worth doing. And you know what? They've got all this government money, so why bother? I mean, what does the tourists get impressed with? Where, wherever they come from, they see advertisement everywhere. They come here, they see the same commercials, lawyer commercials, all on the bus. What's the point? That doesn't impress anybody. I mean, we're trying to attract tourists uh, for tourism, and they, they, they're not seeing I don't think authentic. that that's going to be the linchpin of whether or not tourists are impressed with their visit to Albuquerque. Like, to me, that is the... That's not even worth talking about. Hey, Peakless, uh, we're trying to decide on where to go uh, for our tourism vacation, and uh, I'm told that uh, Albuquerque has some really nice uh, <laughs> art on their buses. Should we go there? Well, I mean, I was going to go see the Grand Canyon, but you say there's art <laughs> on the buses? That's right, yeah. Uh, thank you for the call tonight, Sarah. We uh, appreciate it. The number here is 603-283-6160. Well, at least in Albuquerque, their buses aren't being targeted by cluster bombs, which is happening apparently now. They're not being targeted by cluster bombs yet. Yeah, thank thank goodness. Just wait until the uh, U.S. government starts a war with the drug cartels and we'll see if that changes. Well, Uh, I have it on good authority that the use of cluster bombs is unacceptable. This is what I believe over 100 or 120 countries have agreed, mm. that the use of cluster bombs is unacceptable, and they have signed a uh, Do we know what treaty. a cluster bomb is? We will get into that here shortly. They've signed a treaty, and I don't know if this article mentions 
the number exactly, but I've seen it elsewhere. I believe it is well over 100. And uh, they, they've decided that cluster bombs are particularly nasty as far as bombs are concerned. Obviously, all bombs probably not good. Uh, but if you're going to choose a bomb to use, maybe don't choose one that breaks apart in the air, according to TheGuardian.com, and releases multiple explosive submunitions or bomblets across a wide area. There is a fine illustration of this in Iron Man 1. Okay. Uh, there's, uh, you know, they're given some sort of a demo for Stark Technologies. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's the classic walk away with an explosion in the background scene. Yep. yep. Right. Where they show they de- they show in the background the the bomb that explodes in the air and then many explosions mm-hmm. after that explode and shrapnel goes everywhere, piercing everything. It Probably. is devastating. Yeah. That's the movie version where it actually does blow up as intended. You'll learn the real life version is very different. So they can be delivered by planes, artillery, missiles, according to the International Committee of the Red Cross. The bomblets, as they're called, are designed to detonate upon hitting the ground, and anyone in that area is very likely to be killed or seriously injured. Beyond the initial damage caused by the munitions upon impact, many bomblets fail to detonate immediately. In fact, up to 40% of these (laughs) bomblets have failed to explode in some recent conflicts, according to the Red Cross what's, Committee. What's the, oh, old, so, what's the old phrase? Uh, ah, good enough for the government. Yeah, good enough, enough for government, for government work, work yeah. yeah. So the reason that uh, that these are more or less universally considered a big no-no is not because, well, that's just too efficient of a way of delivering explosives. It's, yeah, that seems to be an efficient way to deliver unexploded bombs to random areas. Correct, where little children might be coming around after the war's over and picking up these little bomblets. I don't know how big they are, but the idea being that average people, more of them, because obviously average people die in conflicts and it's tragic and that's why war shouldn't happen at all. But even more regular people who come around to fill whatever areas they are after the war is over will come across these unexploded uh, bombs and possibly go ahead and set them off. And bomblets, you know, sound like less uh, menacing than than mm-hmm. bombs. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, Muppet Babies, right? It's, <laughs> you know, they take a thing and make a tiny thing out of it. And, like, Bomblet you know, yeah. Babies. Yeah, I, I could see them like having a little bomblet character and advertising in the public schools to like the first graders or whatever. Like, we're bomblets and we're going to go over to another country and not completely explode. Sounds like a device that needs a pacifier. They indeed, like landmines, pose risks to civilians long after their use. Unexploded ordnance from cluster bombs can kill and maim people years or even decades after the munitions were fired. Human rights groups say the use of the cluster bombs in populated areas is a violation of international humanitarian law. And guess what? the United States government is going to be sending to Ukraine. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. And yes, you may join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. Maybe you want to comment on the cluster bombs. And we've been uh, focusing on the cryptocurrency world. You can certainly comment on that. But right now, the latest in what hopefully will never become World War III, but could, uh, it is the conflict in Ukraine where the United States is backing their puppets in the Ukrainian state that they allegedly installed 
in 2014 uh, in their conflict with Russia, where Russia, for those that you know aren't familiar, claims that they're over there just to support the secessionist movement in uh, the Donbass region of Ukraine, which now Russia says is part of Russia because the people there voted earlier, was it late last year, early this year? Anyway, they had a vote and uh, the rest of the world, the Western world, doesn't recognize it, countries like the United States. And another thing that the United States government thugs do not recognize is the treaty that was created in 2008. It is called the Convention on Cluster Munitions. It's an international treaty that prohibits all use, transfer, production, and stockpiling of cluster munitions, which is this weapon that we were describing to you in the last segment that essentially explodes and uh, distributes its quote-unquote bomblets over a certain area. I'm not sure how large that area is, but uh, these little smaller bombs that apparently as many as 40% do not explode upon impact, which is what they're supposed to do. So therefore, you have all these bomblets scattered about, and as a result of that, well, later on, when just normal people are going about their normal daily business, they get blown up. According to TheGuardian.com, in a sort of Q&A explainer article published recently about these cluster bombs, they say human rights groups say the use of cluster bombs in populated areas is a violation of international humanitarian law because they cause indiscriminate destruction. 60% of cluster bomb casualties are people who are injured while undertaking everyday activities, according to Reuters. 60%. Wow. That's right. One-third of all recorded cluster munitions casualties are children. So therefore, more than 100, they say 120 countries here, Wikipedia says it's 111, but either way, it's a lot. Of uh, countries have signed this convention on cluster munitions, which prohibits the use. Yeah, there's only for- like 200 countries on planet Earth, anyway. So Guess right. which countries haven't signed it? Pick three: mm, uh, Russia, China, Russia, and the U.S. Uh, okay, Russia and the U.S. have not signed it. And also, the Ukraine. Ukraine, right? And uh, you're correct. China is also not on that list. Yeah, but- because when you're on the uh, when you're on the High Council of War. You don't have to, you know, follow international laws. But even some of the other big, uh, you know, G7 types of countries, the United Kingdom, they've signed it. Uh, Canada, they've signed it. And uh, Mexico's, Mexico's not on the G7, but Mexico's well, signed it as well. You've got to be strong and murder children. Japan so, has signed so it. So what, what does the treaty say, basically, that you can't have or stockpile clusters? You cannot use, have, or stockpile, well, you can't use transfer. You can't even sell mm-hmm. them. Okay. okay you got to get rid of I was thinking things. for a minute that like it makes sense that like a bunch of co- uh, countries who uh, sort of get their arms from the U.S. might sign this if... The U.S. can just give them to them. They're not allowed to, to According transfer. to the treaty, right. Uh, and according to Who the, enforces this treaty? I pre- I don't know. No uh, one. Whatever this convention is, the Convention on Cluster Munitions. Uh, according to the it's story, the honor system. 99% of global stockpiles have been destroyed, according to the Cluster Munition Coalition, since well the adoption. What did they do? Of- Drop a cluster bomb on them? <laughs> Uh, the weapons were first used in the Second World War, and at least 15 countries have used them in the years after, according to Reuters, including Eritrea, Ethiopia, France, Israel, Morocco, the Netherlands, Britain, Russia, and the United States. The U.S. dropped an estimated 260 million cluster munitions in Laos between 1964 and 1973. So far, fewer than 400,000, that's 0.47% of what they dropped, 
have been cleared and at least 11,000 people have been killed, according to Reuters. Well, hold on. Hold on. So there was like a billion of these things on Earth? I maybe so. I mean, check my math here, but like if if America dropped over a hundred thousand of these things, two hundred sixty million, they said. Oh, sorry, in, in a ten-year period. Sorry. If uh, if I'm America presuming they're counting all the bomblets, million of these, and ninety-nine percent of them were destroyed. That's that's over two billion of these things that did exist. Perhaps so, and I don't know if they're counting the bomblets when they count that or the containers Mm, tough call either way you you were uh, saying what did they do drop a cluster bomb on it well they would have only gotten rid of about half if they Mm had (laughs) how does one destroy bombs Uh, carefully yeah very Very, carefully very carefully i mean we've not heard of like some sort of uh industrial space shuttle carrying these munitions out into space and hurling towards the sun right that's true all right so we don't know that they've actually been destroyed. They say Russian troops have used cluster munitions in populated areas in Ukraine, according to research by The Guardian, which has resulted in the deaths of scores of civilians. Ukraine has also used cluster bombs in efforts to retake Russian-occupied territory, according to Human Rights Watch. So essentially, Ukraine is going to be peppered with these bomblets from here until they're gone. And they're going to be gone by either somehow detecting and dealing with them or just average people accidentally setting them off by walking next to them or however it is you set these things off. And now the United States has said, we're going to go ahead and add some more bomblets to the party here. And they're going to send even more of these things over to the Ukrainian government. And this is what's been in the news in the last couple of weeks because, well, again, these over 100 plus countries say this is a... Uh, human rights violation this is a war crime and the funny thing is the biden administration a year ago or so was saying that this was a war crime hmm. yeah i've seen um the the footage of right. i'm trying to what was her name the redhead saki p saki uh saying that uh, if russia uses cluster munitions against the ukraine it will be considered a war crime and this yeah. is from a couple of years ago and then most recently, uh, the headline was, U.S. to send cluster munitions to Ukraine. I got her right here. Here she is. This was, I don't know if it gives the original date of this, but whenever the hell she was in office, which was like a year or so ago, Forts maybe two years. Illegal cluster bombs and vacuum bombs being used by the Russians. Uh, if that's true, what is the next step of this administration? And is there a red line for how much violence uh, will be tolerated against civilians in this manner that's illegal and potentially a war crime it is it would be i don't have any confirmation of that we have seen the reports uh if if it would be that was her answer to is this a war crime it would be if the russians which they say were using these cluster bombs would that be a war crime yeah it would that were true it would potentially be a war crime obviously there are a range of international fora that would assess that um so certainly we would look to that to be a part of that conversation Okay, I think they're going to replay it there. So there you go. And now here we are a year or so later, a year and a half later, and now the United States government is saying, oh, well, it's not a war crime when we do it. 
It's not a war crime when our guys drop these It would bombs. only be a war crime if Russia did it to Ukraine. Whereas <laughs> right. if Ukraine did it to Russia, it would be whatever the opposite of a war crime is. Yep. So It's just math. If your neighbor shoots your dog, that's a crime. But if a cop shoots your dog, it's not a crime. It's necessary. They, they, were, an offer, they were fearing for their life. They were doing their duty. Yeah. They were fearing for their life. Yep. So there you go. I don't know how many of these cluster munitions they have sent over there. I don't know if they have been sent yet, but they're going to send them. I mean, if you needed a reason to be a conscientious objector. Objector, yeah, sure. Uh, here you go. <laughs> I object. Here you go. Uh, I mean, just war in general, uh, and, and not even official or unofficial war, the warlike activities that governments engage in routinely, specifically the United States government, uh, where they continuously bomb uh, people in faraway lands that you've never met, you've never heard of, you have no quarrel with, uh, and yet uh, they send your sons, your daughters, your fathers, your sisters and brothers uh, off to go and murder these people uh, and drop cluster bonds on them. Yep, absolutely. If you want to comment, you can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. But what we really need to be focused on here is whose cocaine was in the White House. Well, I mean, so... And whether or not that Titanic submarine was built properly. (laughs) Like, these are really the pressing issues of our day. I'm convinced the White House is just made out of cocaine. Yeah, It's the White House. It's called the White House. So, like... So, like, what, this has never happened before? I find that a little <laughs> unlikely. Well, what's never happened is they've never announced it. Right. Well, Now, um, for some reason, it's in, you know worthy of a press release. If, uh, yeah, because they don't want you thinking about the economy, and they don't want you thinking about the war. Mm-hmm. You can bet your babushka that if uh, some rando business uh, had a baggie of cocaine found at it and you know the authorities found out about it they wouldn't be like oh well it's just not possible for us yeah, to figure, we can't it, figure out. it out well, like really you've got all of the surveillance technology uh that uh, you know has ever been invented uh working 24 7 for you uh the white house is one of the most secure places on planet earth with constant video and audio surveillance uh for you not to be able to figure out who was there who opened that cabinet who placed the bag in there nope. who was in there last nope sorry horse hockey <laughs> Horse hockey. Well, I, for one, am going home and painting my house white so that if a baggie of cocaine is found there, they won't try and find out whose it is and charge them with anything. That's a good reason to paint my house white. Right? Let's go to the phones here, guys. I got somebody on the line. You're on Free Talk Live, caller. What is your name? Hey, this is Rusty from Portland. Rusty, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, so I I was thinking about the Ripple ruling. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And I think it's better than you think it is. Okay, why? (laughs) Well, not only did they say that if they sell it on exchange, it's not a security. They also said algorithmic sales are not a security. So what does that mean? What's they, an algorithmic sale? That could be something like an airdrop or a public sale, like the old ICOs. And okay. so, also, so initial coin offerings would be considered not a not a security. Oh, I bet if they would. They're selling directly to the public and not to like an institution. Gotcha. Or an institutional investor. If there's not a private pre-sale. Gotcha. Well, that's what an ICO is. It's a pre-sale. 
Well, some that I, oh, okay. Well, Well, I mean, I think that depends on how you do it. So like if you're uh, offering to like specific investors, yeah, then, then I think they would consider it a security, but it sounds like if you are, if you are just making it open to all comers, whoever wants to invest in this as a, as an initial coin offering, that might not be. No, I don't think so. Not under the ripple ruling said that ripple sales and the library ruling said that library sales also libraries giveaways Mm. counted as selling unregistered securities Mm. so i think the initial coin offering would count as a unregistered security sale based on my understanding of these rulings Mm. uh, by no means is this legal advice right well like uh ethereum's like Ethereum, when they had their public sale, there was no like marketing with it that this coin's going to go up in value. We're going to put money into making this coin go up into value, and that was one of the problems with the Ripple thing. But well, that another... that we know of. Okay, so one of the things that they did in the library case, as I understand it, was they found some guy who was like formerly an employee of library who made a statement on a Reddit forum somewhere about that he thought library was going to go up in value. And so therefore that was library making a statement about it could go up in value. I don't know what the exact circumstances were, but they had some like really obtuse, obscure example of how library quote unquote was promoting that this could go up in value mm. or somebody on a private email or something suggested some well, some customer service agent or whatever as long as one person associated with the the company makes any kind of hint that this thing could go up in value that may be enough for them to just say well guilty D- despite the fact right. that that's how the market has played out in cryptocurrency thus far that it has gone up in value yeah, over time I, most of cryptocurrencies have gone up mm-hmm. since their initial uh, you know, launch, if you will. Yeah, yeah I would say this now, is by no means a closed case or anything like that, and I would be very hesitant uh, if I were in charge of any of these companies to make a decision based on this one ruling. Right. They they also found that the when the CEO, uh, Brad, whoever, sold mm-hmm. his tokens, that was not selling the security. Okay. So That's interesting. If, they inter- if you can interpret that, that means... Teams can be paid in tokens, and the, the team members can sell the tokens without having to worry about that if the precedent holds. Mm-hmm. If. Yeah, that's important. important point here. If well, this holds. And it's, and it's also worth pointing out that uh, given how slow the court system works, this will be the going rule for a while. Mm-hmm. Like even right. even true. if we can you know even if we can crystal ball this and say absolutely certainly this will be appealed and the appeal will find in the other direction that's a good long way off. That much is true. Anything else, caller? You want to share? No, that was it. Thank right. you. Hey, thanks for the call. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, number. I wonder if uh, if Wizards of the Coast or someone like that, you know, who who their product has a tendency historically to very much go up in value, at yep. least in some cases. I wonder if they send out emails to to tell everyone these do not go up in value, and you are not allowed to tell anyone otherwise to their staff members just to cover their butt on this. Maybe. Uh, if you want to comment, the number is 603-283-6160. It's funny that Wizards of the Coast and Magic the Gathering keep coming up, particularly around the cr- cryptocurrency conversations. Well, I mean, we're all Magic oh, the because, Gathering uh, dorks. Oh, because Mount Gox? So. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. Mount Gox was 
MTG, Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. Well, you pretty much had to be a computer nerd in order to get into cryptocurrency at the time Mt. Gox was around. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense that the Venn diagram of Magic players, which are likely nerds and probably many of them familiar with computers, would overlap the programmer types and the early libertarian Nerds that is that, true. Uh, you know, working in tech, I found a whole bunch of people play Magic the Gathering, yeah, right? Whether yeah. it's an IT guy or a or a you know developer, uh, and QA and tech support and all those people, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's in on the game, and it does have uh, parallels to software. We talk about the stack all the mm-hmm. time, and software has a stack, and that's how instructions come in and go out and all that kind of stuff. So there are similarities, but I just find it fascinating that. Wizards of the Coast, specifically Magic the Gathering, continues to be tied in conversation to cryptocurrency, not just here on this show. Well, it makes a lot of sense and in a lot of ways. One of them being that, uh, say, your uh, your Black Lotus card, uh, its value is fundamentally because of its scarcity, scarcity. as a supply. Yeah. Yeah. So if they were still making Black Lotus cards, it wouldn't have the, the value that it commands. Whereas since they are not, and there's only so many that will ever exist... In the same way, just right. like, oh, there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin right. or, you know, whichever the cap for a particular thing is. Or, oh, well, the issuing rate is X, Y or Z for like Monero or yeah. whatever in all of this. And, and as with currency, it, its value is directly proportional to its limited supply. Right. I've used the uh, Magic the Gathering analogy to describe a cryptocurrency exchange to, well, some nerds. Mm-hmm. Right. Because... Uh, in the game Magic the Gathering, you have mana. It's either green, uh, black, uh, white, red. Uh, I'm missing a color there. Blue. Blue, thank you. Uh, sometimes you only have blue, but you need a red. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how to get one. Well, there will be a card that comes up that allows you to do something that's called mana washing. This is you can uh, spend two blue into this card, and you get one red mana. So now mm-hmm. you can get okay. your one red mana to make your, your play go. Well, this is what an exchange does, a cryptocurrency exchange. You mm-hmm. you pay a little small fee to take your, I don't know, Bitcoin cash and transduce it into Dash, mm-hmm. right? This, this is, it's exactly like mana washing. Like magic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah, but it's exactly <laughs> like mana washing in the game Magic mm-hmm. the Gathering. So yeah, and- if you play Magic the Gathering, you probably already have a nice analogous uh, model for understanding the basics of cryptocurrency mm-hmm. exchanging. Well, and I mean, the uh, the process of mining is kind of like having land in that sense. So, like, if you have a, a nice uh, mining rig, it will, with a certain uh, amount of regularity, uh, give you something that that is powerful mm. that you can use to uh, perform effects in the real world. Yeah, they call this a mana ramp in the game, right? right. It's how fast you get enough mana to power your biggest plays. Right. Right. And that that is a very analogous thing. Now... Um, Another thing that's that's analogous on this one, and and why uh, Mount Gox came from the uh, Magic the Gathering online exchange. Mount Gox, by the way, the first ever cryptocurrency, Bitcoin only at, at right. the time exchange. Right, but it wasn't designed. As right. That. right, right. It was designed for cards. Right, and and the reason that this was, I, I think, a really effective changeover was because just like with these uh, Magic the Gathering cards, you need to verify the thing. You need to be sure that you actually have the thing. You know, just like okay, well, here's a. a 
purportedly gold coin, I better bite it, make sure that it's actually, you mm-hmm. know, has the right. malleability yeah. of gold. So like a little quick test to be like, okay, yes, this is what I think it is. Right. And in the same way with these uh, with these electric cards, like these digital cards, you want to have some way where you can test and verify. NFTs. Right. Well, the nice right. thing about cryptocurrency is that because of its decentralization, because of the distributed nature of it, and because of the cryptographic security behind it, you can verify these things easily. Yes. I can't just give you a fake Bitcoin. If right. it's not on the Bitcoin blockchain, it isn't the same thing. And everybody in, a, in the world knows this in the world of the cryptocurrencies, the exchanges. You can't just send a fake Bitcoin into a cryptocurrency exchange. Yeah. It just isn't going to work like right. that because the checks and the balances on the system are inherently baked into the blockchain and the math and the cryptocurrency right. behind it or the crypto cryptographic security behind it. That's what the miners are out there and the full nodes are helping support the master nodes with Dash and things like that. But with Magic the Gathering cards, I mean, all you have to do is have a really high quality printer in China <laughs> right. and you can knock out some really effective knockoffs. Mm-hmm. There's a website that I purchased a, uh, a set of the original beta series which was the original, almost the original series of Magic the Gathering from like 1993 or whenever it was. And, you know, it costs like 170 bucks for this thing, but I got every single card that was in this beta series that right now some of these individual cards will sell for thousands of dollars if you have the original real McCoy. Mm -hmm. And now... To be fair, this this guy that's behind this company or whatever, he's like he's not trying to scam anybody. So he he changed the backside of the card to look completely different than what the original. So you wouldn't be able to to pawn these off as the originals, right? But I mean, that's just because but you can he use them to play. That's yeah. just right, but right. that's just because he's got scruples, and there right. could very well be you know right. somebody who doesn't have those scruples now, that could try to knock knock now, these cards off. The difference here, I think, is important to illustrate is that for Magic the Gathering cards, the physical cards themselves, yeah, versus Bitcoin cryptocurrency, uh, the verification step in Magic the Gathering cards needs to take place by human beings Mm -hmm. there needs to be an expert who can identify this is a real deal og black lotus card from the first edition in 1992 or whatever year it was whereas cryptocurrency you don't need that third party yeah you don't need that third party and that's the beautiful that's Mm -hmm. always like i can't harp on this enough to our listeners and you need to harp on it to other people uh that that is the difference that's the big difference you no longer need trust centralized Uh, you know, monolithic structure of, you know, supposed trust Mm -hmm. to verify the authenticity of your transaction or your Bitcoin. It is no longer necessary. Math takes the place. Right. Math provides the trust. That's why cryptocurrency is superior. Yeah, it really is part of the beauty of the technology that like I can I can hand you a fake gold coin, but I simply cannot hand you a fake gold. Bitcoin. Right. That's right. So it, it would be as if the, attempting to fake it made it cease to exist. So that mm-hmm. there simply were not, that as if physics itself would not allow you to make a fake gold coin. That really is what this technology is like. And in in the case of a, a digital Magic the Gathering card, some amount of programming skills and computing technology might allow me to attempt to pass off this fake digital Magic the Gathering card into this exchange. And then they would have to go through the trouble of printing it. 
or of uh, of verifying it, whereas the nature of this thing even being mined and moved means that it already has this tremendous amount of like the the top supercomputers could not get you to the computing power of verification of this thing. Right? Just to send it in the first place, it already has that behind it on every single transaction. Coming up in about a half an hour, uh, you can join these guys for Beard Talk Live. That will be happening at ten thirty Eastern time over on our various different video streaming platforms including odyssey you can watch over at watch.freetalklive.com again that starts at 10 30 eastern so stay tuned for that otherwise we'll see you at freetalklive.com if you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate well i know a guy who's really great it's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com